Welcome to the Game Informer Show, a weekly podcast covering the video game industry. Join us each and every Thursday for a discussion about the latest gaming news, reviews, and exclusive reveals with Game Informer staff, alongside special guests from around the industry. I am your host, your host, your host, your host to the host, Marcus Stewart. That doesn't make any sense. And that's okay, because my uh, two usual like permanent co-hosts are gone. Uh, so they can't judge me. That being Kyle, uh, Kyle Hilliard and Alex Van Aken, both away, handling super important business. But that's okay because, as they say, when the boys are away, the the toys can play. Marcus, that, what are we doing? How here? that goes? Toy What's going story. On here? What's going on here with this intro? <laughs> Let me introduce to you, uh, first guest Blake the Snake Hester. Hello. How's it going? Good. What is going on with this intro, Marcus? Well, I mean, it'll make sense in a few minutes because uh, we're also jumping to our other host, Charles Hitman Hart. Oh, that one's good. Hitman? Wait, wait, why? Like Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh, I don't yeah. know who that is. Well, Blake, I didn't expect you to get that reference, yeah, actually. Come on. Everybody knows I'm glad Brett. it works. Yeah. I'm it's glad it's brother works Owen out. who died. It's a a whole family it's a dynasty <laughs> that that's yeah that that happened uh yeah uh you know i i use wrestling references uh one because i like wrestling but two we're going to be talking about a wrestling game uh that being WrestleQuest, one of the big talkers of the week uh for more reason than one as we'll get into uh shortly uh but yeah we'll be diving into that and also at the end of this show, we've got a special interview where uh, I got to sit down with the co-founders of Mega Cat Studios, which is the team behind WrestleQuest, as well as uh, Hall of Fame wrestler Jeff Jarrett, who uh, was heavily involved in the game. Got to chat up the three of them about the origins of WrestleQuest and Jeff's uh, history with video games and all kinds of fun stuff. So stay tuned to the end of the show to give that a listen. But uh, yeah, first off, how are you guys doing? I don't think you guys... I mean, it's been a little bit for you, Blake. Charles, you were here last week, so nobody cares. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, a, I'm a recurring guest star on the show. You are. Actually, uh, we should probably provide an update, Charles, because a tragedy struck. You know, I think last time we were here, maybe the time before that, uh, we talked about you being in a talent show for our parent company. Yes. And, um, you know, do you want to do you want to break the news, break the news. Charles? Uh, I won the whole... No, I'm just kidding. I lost. Yeah, You're $10,000 richer. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I did lose. I I blame it on the fact that when they re-uploaded my video, they asked for a TikTok link or a YouTube link or a bunch of stuff, and I sent it a TikTok link, and then they needed to export it, and it's annoying to export a TikTok link, and I didn't realize that. So then when it was like time for people to vote, mine was all like choppy and the audio was desynced, so... If they do it again next year, which is this, this is the first talent show. Like no, no one seemed to mention that this was a thing before I started it. I, I have no clue if they've ever no, done this. I think no. I, uh, I, I this is the first time that I've, I, at least the time that I've worked here, I don't remember this ever happening. Well, so. I think you're overestimating how many GameStop emails I read. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> to be frank, regardless, if they do it again next year, I will send in a YouTube link, and on August eighth. 2024 i'll tell i'll be happy to tell you that i just won ten thousand dollars is it do you have that video available publicly for people to watch at all like your yeah. submission well video? the video is from 
I didn't really have time to do like a proper separate video. So I was like, ah, I'll just throw this one in. My senior year of college, I did a musical with my brother called Brothers the Musical. And it's told as two brothers trying to win a scholarship contest through TikTok. So it's a short film, but it's made as a series of TikToks. Um, it's all edited together on YouTube. If you search my name, Charles Hart, it'll be one of the first things that pops up. But the song I submitted was called Content. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a good song. So It's a great video. It's a great video. Do you think there were points against you, though, for uploading an anti-content song to your you know, parent company? <laughs> it, it's a fan favorite, so I uploaded it, and I seem to get into the second round. That's true. Which either true. implies that whoever was voting didn't think about it or there were some really bad other entries where they <laughs> well, were like, this has got to make it in guys, even if I don't like it uh, next time I'll, I'll, I'll do like, I don't know, a power up rewards. Trombone <laughs> solo. Hell yeah. Where'd you go to college? Uh, university of Cincinnati. Oh, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. I've been, I've been there. No Bearcats. Not, not as a student, but I have been there. What is a bear cat? Is that a real animal? So glad you asked. It's a real animal. Um, it's a big cat, and they are honestly pretty ugly. Um, there is a bear it cat like in the Cincinnati be. Zoo, and I always kind of pictured it as like a leopard. And you know, what? I'm gonna Google it because maybe I'm slandering. I would say, like, is it more bear right than cat, or is it it's more cat than bear? It's so cute, Marcus. I'm putting a picture in general chat here. Oh, I was okay. wrong. <laughs> In general, where everyone can it's, see with no context. Here's, here was my assessment. It's kind of weird. It's not a thing I would look at and be like, that should be called bear cat. Sure. <laughs> it sure. should definitely have, it doesn't really resemble a cat I and mean, it doesn't really resemble a bear. It feels. You know, a bunch of like uneducated frontiersmen discovered that and they were like, I don't know, it looks like some kind of bear cat. It should be called like lemur fox or something. Let's see. Le- I don't think it rolls off the tongue as well. <laughs> lemur fox. But okay, I'm I want to hold on. I'm looking at the bear cat. Uh, this is great for, uh, I guess, both versions of the podcast. Uh, but yeah, everyone, you know, if you're listening, go Google bear cat. Play along at home. Exactly. Let us know if you think that this should be maybe this should be Game Informer's mascot. Maybe you should just steal it from your school <laughs> and just make it bear uh, bear cat. The game, the Game Informer is what he's called. Sure. How's Cincinnati doing these days? Mark, has he ever been to Cincinnati? Never been to Ohio in general. Well, no. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I, I mean, watched I, that uh, that really funny like parody uh, tourism video come Cleveland to Cleveland. from like 14 years ago. Yeah. Classic. And then I was like, I, I believe all of this. I Here's guess I go. the secret of Ohio. Columbus is one of the coolest cities. Columbus rules. Now, Cincinnati, Charles, don't let me speak too ill of your hometown. Cincinnati's fine, I guess. But the real draw of going to Cincinnati is going across the bridge to Cincinnati and then immediately taking the next bridge out of Cincinnati and going to Newport, Kentucky, which is the sickest place ever, dude. They got the Thompson house there right across from the aquarium. <laughs> they used to have a Tom and Chi, which was this wild tomato soup. Uh, is it not there anymore? Chi. Oh, I I'm don't pretty know. Sure it's still I, I, haven't there. Been, I haven't been to Cincinnati so, in like 100 years. My girlfriend's family lives in Colorado, and they visited uh, for 4th of July. Yeah. We went to a Reds game, and then as soon as it ended, we walked across the Purple People Bridge to yes, Newport to hang out in Newport, Kentucky. It's Marcus. It truly is right on the river. Like it's literally. It's a walking... awesome. Every picture you've ever seen of Cincinnati is taken from Newport. 
That's which, not, oh, like of the skyline? Is yeah. That actually yeah. is true. It's the only place um, you can make Cincinnati look good. Marcus, I do have a question for you. Have you ever had Cincinnati-style chili? No, but I've, um, because Skyline Chili is that, right? Yes, sir. And yes, sir. there, when I lived in Fort Lauderdale for college, we had, there was a Skyline Chili there, which is like. That's right. There's one in outside Florida. The country. Weird. Yeah. But I, and I would always pass by, but I, I never once went in there. I would always tell myself, like, I should go in there one of these days. Dude. But, you know, it never looked appealing, but then I watched, like, some sort of Food Network special about it. And then, like, learning the history and how it was made, it made me want to try it. But that was, I had already moved out of Fort Lauderdale by that point. <laughs> Skyline's <laughs> awesome, dude. That's what I hear. I want to try it. I, I tried to defend it back when I was at Fanbite, and it turned into a whole thing. Um, Is the, uh... You know the steak, steak and shake has like the same sort of like chili mac pasta. It's like I assume is that like modeled after Cincinnati chili. I've never had steak this. and shake. Okay, I love steak and shake, but I haven't had whatever that is. It's kind of the same, like because Cincinnati or Skyline has that same like yeah. spaghetti with like yeah. chili. It's like the same thing. Probably. I wonder, like, oh, is yeah. it the same style? I yeah. guess. Yeah. Food talk. Charles, have you ever been to Louisville? Probably like once, but I don't have any memories of it. Not you recently. Lived, for you sure. lived forty-five minutes from the sickest place on earth, and you never came to visit. I don't know if it's forty-five minutes. I feel like we looked it up, and you were Louisville was like two hours from where. Uh, I no, hold up. From where you live, because you said you moved out of the city. This happened on the podcast. Check the tapes. Let's see Google Maps. <laughs> I did move out. Well, I never lived in the city. Also, I lived in the suburbs near the city. Okay. I lived. I lived in Blue Ash, which has a restaurant called Blue Ash Chili, which Guy Fieri on the Food Network did go to. Um, also, we should talk about video games. <laughs> no, hold on, hold on. <laughs> well, Dude, good. okay, for Louisville, via 42, it's, oh, this is walking 35 hours. Uh, <laughs> it's only an hour and a half if you go 71 north. It's not even okay. 100 miles, it's 99.5 miles. And what do they, what do they have there? What am I going to Louisville? Louisville? Uh-huh. Oh, no, don't the, get like started on Louisville's the pride of the south dude oh my god the sickest art scenes uh best college sports around you got the derby i guess that shit kind of sucks if you ask me oh you know to get this back to video games for between ohio and louisville i'm gonna drop some names for you guys and see if you recognize them they are some of uh, the finest exports uh, of both places uh you know louisville you might have heard of a name called uh ohio valley wrestling yeah, I have a lung infection be from the Ohio Valley. Basically, will never go away. I have like a bunch of spots in my lungs forever. Every time I go to the oncologist, <laughs> every time I go to the oncologist, because I don't know if y'all knew this about me, I had cancer not once but twice. They have to right. scan me and they're like, you got some crazy shit in your lungs. And I'm like, I'm from the Ohio Valley. And they're like, ah, oh, never mind. You're good. Don't worry about it. And it's okay. just a lot. Thankfully, uh, that didn't happen to John Cena, which is where he got his start in Ohio really? Valley Wrestling. Yeah. Wow. Actually, a lot of Bro- Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, Batista. Wow. Same class, believe it or not. Yeah. Also, I'd like to point out, Marcus, you do pronounce Louisville correctly, which I appreciate. It's not Louisville. I, honestly, it's the wrestling things you hear about Louisville a lot, especially, yep. again, when you talk about the careers of those names, those guys, they say it a lot. So that's honestly where it comes from. And then Ohio... Uh, I'm gonna test your Ohio knowledge, uh, Charles. Some okay. some top wrestlers come out of there. John Moxley. Uh, I was I was gonna say I I don't think I could name a wrestler. <laughs> uh, the Miz from Cleveland. The Miz. Mizuguchi. The no, just the made, Miz. Made Res and Space the, Channel Five. Uh, Dolph Z- Dolph Ziggler. Johnny Gargano. Ringing any any bells, Mister no. Ohio? <laughs> I I again to be I have never watched a wrestle 
a wrestle. Okay, I'm, I am wrestleless. What? Okay. <laughs> well, you know what? You you can you can expose yourself to some wrestle. I should by playing Wrestle Quest, which is a not only just a wrestling game, but it's an RPG. And I would say that it was out today at the time that we're recording. It is August eighth, which was supposed to be the release date for Wrestle Quest. Um, but the night before, uh, the studio uh, Mad Cats sent out an email saying, actually, we found a really bad save glitch. So we got to delay this till August 22nd. Wow. <laughs> um, which, I mean, good on them for catching that before that became like an issue. But also, man, at the 11th hour to be like, man, I'm excited to play this and then have to be like, actually, you got to wait like two more weeks. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's got to be like a really interesting internal discussion of like, do we do the last minute delay or do we let people have it and risk the save glitch? Cause I bet, I yeah, bet, like, I bet that's an argument. Like it must've been widespread enough to where like, I, I think this sure. is going to affect enough people. Like maybe it was something like something so common triggers this, that this is going to be a problem. They would also, I feel like the trickier thing would be, they would have to get it approved by all their like partners, right? Like yeah. they'd have to tell Nintendo PlayStation. I don't know how much autonomy, like, steam i think is a little easier to i don't know i don't want to talk out of my ass but like it wouldn't be a thing where they just like have the pure autonomy of being like we're gonna delay this you know like there's other back-end stuff so what a wild thing to have to do but yeah can you imagine i was like i think about so many other games that launched in like not great states they're like could they have had that conversation too of like i don't know well let's just say cyberpunk of like there's a lot of things wrong with this. Can we should we well, delay is, this too? So when you brought it up in the morning meeting, my brain went to one place and it was like, oh, they must not have a physical release coming out yet of this game. Uh, I think I want to say they do because I only saw a comment on my story from someone that said like, oh, I went to the store and I was wondering why they were telling me the date change. Oh, weird. So it sounds like they might. That is weird. wild. Okay. Um, yeah, take that with a grain of salt. Maybe they, I don't know, but it, just from that comment, I was like, oh, I guess maybe they do. Um, I'm gonna look but, it up. Yeah, I have no idea what that conversation is like. But regardless, I have been playing the game for the last uh, few days uh, for review, and yeah, I'm gonna talk about it because it's a game I've been looking forward to for a while. I the first time I got to play it was uh, Summer Games Fest last year, 2022. And again, like for those that don't know, you know, if you listen to the show, you probably do. Like, I'm a huge wrestling fan, and I'm a huge like RPG fan, and the pitch for this game was perfect because the, the team was looking at like, hey, we big fans of games like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI, and we basically want to make one of those, but like centered around wrestling, which, I mean, I wrote a whole feature about how I've always wanted to see wrestling represented in video games beyond just the obvious of like mm, yeah. simulation 2K style things. It's like there's so many things you can do with wrestling. And like one of my favorite animes is Ultimate Muscle. Any of you guys ever mm-hmm. watched it? But yep. yeah, it, it's like, it, it it takes wrestling and just imagines a world where like what if most everyone was a wrestler and like everything in life was wrestlefied and there's like a whole intergalactic wrestling league and stuff and like it's it's so zany and over the top that I was like oh if this game is kind of like that then I'm in and it is like what's cool about it is that it's um it's set in a world of like action figure wrestling which if if you're like if you were ever a wrestling fan. Uh, odds are you probably got into like figure collecting you know you get your action figures you buy the like replica ring and a lot of people do like the hardcore like oh i have like a figure league like a a fig league Uh, like i got like 
this guy's my champion. And, da, da, da. and sometimes, you know, especially if you didn't have a lot of money, you, you would use toys that maybe weren't wrestlers just because you kind of have to fill roster spots, right? And this game channels that where, like, it's basically Toy Story style of, like, what if there was this world where all the characters are action figures and some of them or a lot of them aren't even like humanoids of like, there's like a weird dinosaur guy. And this like, like the Vince McMahon equivalent is like this purple elephant that he's honestly, he's basically like Lotso from Toy Story <laughs> three. Like now that I really think about it, like imagine if Lotso, the bear was an elephant instead of a bear and also kind of like Vince McMahon. And I, I like my favorite parts of what I've played so far of the games. I, I still have a ways to go. It's just that stuff. Like just seeing, like the different regions of the world are each each represent a different style of wrestling. We're like, oh, this league over here is the WWE equivalent. Here's one modeled after like hardcore deathmatch style wrestling. Here's one based on like Japanese style, like pure SO wrestling. Uh, there's like a, a stampede, like Calgary uh, equivalent. And just seeing how like creative they get with like representing those uh, those styles in the world. And like in the animation also too, like I, I think my favorite thing about the game besides just like the world building is just the, the art I think looks great. Like the pixel art. I think the animations are super smooth and like just have so much personality to them, which is important because like wrestling, uh, wrestling is like it's entertainment, right? It's like all a hundred percent personality driven. Yep. And so like, like as a like package, just looking at it, I'm like, okay, I, this is like fun fun like eye candy and whatnot now as a game um so the game you play is this protagonist named randy santos and he's basically like a a, a randy savage like fanboy uh i assume you both know who randy savage that was. one i know macho man Ooh, yeah he calls himself the the muchacho man and he's basically on a quest to become like the greatest wrestler right he has to travel to all the different e-fed regions and and like try to become champions there so you can get into the the big time you're meeting all these other characters along the way and the final fantasy 6 comparisons come in because there's like so many different uh party members you can meet along the way i don't know how many there are yet but based on my interview with the team there's a lot because you know final fantasy 6 has like what 15 20 different characters you can get if you went out of your way to try to find all of them uh and i've already run into a bunch of them and have had party members come in and out of my my team over the time, uh, one of them is a luchador who's a fish, and his name's the Lochador, and he's a, he's a fish man, and it's, he's pretty great so far. Does some some pretty sick backflips on those ropes. There's like a weird like tiny toy guy. I forget his name. Uh, there's um there's like the washed up veteran guy who's like he's like the I used to be great back in my day but now I'm kind of like performing in front of high school gyms phase of my career now <laughs> like, like the the Mickey Rourke and the wrestler sort of like character and and like the, like the personalities have been kind of funny to see I don't know if I'm connecting with any of them yet uh just like beyond like oh that's kind of a funny reference or whatever you know I, I like even Randy himself I'm not like like he's fine, but like, uh, it, like his big thing with him is that he believes wrestling is real. So even in this like weird fantastical universe, wrestling is still a scripted thing. Um, but for some reason, he still thinks it's a hundred percent real. And like some of the more funny moments are like when he's confronted with like the truth, because people will be like, "All right, we're gonna go out tonight. All right, so you're gonna pin me, right? And you're gonna put me over." And, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" And then everyone just kind of looks at him like he's weird of like. 
why are you acting like this is real, basically? <laughs> but a lot of them are either too polite to say anything or they just are just confused because it's like, well, we could tell him, but that has no bearing on, like, the mission at hand. So, like, just humor him, I guess. And it's like, so I don't know where that's going to go. But other than that, it's like, eh, he seems fine. Uh, the combat itself is, you know, turn-based. What's cool about it, uh, just, like, thematically, is that it brings in the wrestling where, you know, every match you're in a ring with a crowd. And every command or attack that you do, you're building this thing called hype. It's like a little meter on the bottom. And it's basically like you're building hype for the crowd. Like, oh, if you do a bunch of cool moves, the crowd's going to, like, support you and get behind you, like, in, in real wrestling. But, like, if your opponent starts doing better than you, then that hype can sway to their side. And the more hype you have, you get bonuses. Like, you hit certain milestones in the bar where it's like, oh, my God, you're building up hype. You you gain, you know, uh, MP or mana every time like every time you do something or your attacks do more damage or you're going to earn more money when you win this fight but you know if your opponent starts winning then you start getting like debuffs applied to you and they start getting bonuses so it's kind of like this tug of war between the two that i it, it's pretty like i like it like it's a it's an interesting little layer to otherwise pretty standard turn-based combat the other neat thing they have is like uh they have a tag team system that uh is pretty much a direct parallel to chrono trigger because you know one of the best things about chrono trigger were those combination attacks that i've always been baffled that more rpgs have like not stolen <laughs> in like 30 years I'm like why isn't this because that's one of the coolest things about chrono trigger and this game you know with tag team wrestling it's like the perfect sort of like equivalent for that where you're depending on which combination of party members or they all have their own unique tag moves whether it's like a big attack or maybe a buff or a debuff or like a heal thing so uh and you have to like prepare the tag so there's like some risk reward or like oh one character has to stick his hand out for the tag which leaves him vulnerable to attack and then whoever you want to partner with him you have to go to him the jump and 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 initiate the attack i i think that's pretty cool and you can also have managers too which are basically like they're not part of the battle but they they each pretty much give like party-wide effects of like oh this manager he has the power to turn a character invisible for a period of time so they don't get attacked. Or it's like they all have like one special attack and then they have like some passive effects of like, oh, this, the Vince McMahon elephant gener helps generate hy hype just sort of like passively on top of the hype you're generating by doing stuff. So he's like, you know, raising the crowd. And you can also taunt to raise your hype, which is basically you're going to go out and showboat and be like, yeah, come on, cheer. But then when you do that, uh you're like the downside is that you like lose some defensive power or some other debuff so it's kind of like you're building hype faster but you're also opening yourself up to uh taking more damage and again like i i like looking at the combat because it's just like it, it's like flashing and there's people just flying around doing suplexes and like it's got the what i've always loved the mario rpg style stuff of like time button presses and like you know like oh you gotta hit you got to mash a button this many times to do this. And if you're fighting wrestlers, because there's like non-wrestler enemies and then wrestlers. Um, but for the wrestlers, you can't, in addition to just depleting your HP, you actually have to pin them and to like actually get them out the ring. And the pinning minigame is sort of like the trying to stop the meter to hit a Classic. thing. like Much like the old 2K games. Were you saying, Charles? Just the classic, gotta stop the thing in the middle of the thing. 
Yeah, which I actually, I never liked that in the WWE 2K game just because, like, mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like that captures the the struggle of, like, escaping a pin. It's just sort of like, I hope you have some good hand-eye coordination, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. But in this context, it works for, like, an RPG, especially because, again, you've seen, um, like, little mini games like this for, like, the Mario and Luigi games or Paper Mario or whatever, and it's like, that fits in great here. Uh, it, 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 like, adds a a fun layer of just, like, activity outside of just like i'm gonna select the command and he's gonna do an animation and we're just gonna do that over and over until somebody wins right especially because sometimes it happens unexpectedly like you'll hit a guy sometimes they'll rebound off the ropes and then you have a chance to hit them again or they'll hit you and they'll hit you so hard that you rebound off the ropes and they give you a window of like oh maybe you can rebound with an attack so you can kind of retaliate if you time the button right like that stuff is fun and also keeps my hands on the controller because you never know when that stuff's gonna like happen but like, so far, I think the game, and granted, again, I, I still have a ways to go. I'm probably, like, 12 hours into it, I think, last I checked. There is something lacking, and I'm still trying to figure out what that is. There's a, there's a um, I don't want to see a dryness to it, but there's, like, outside of the battle system, like, exploring the world outside of looking at it hasn't been super engaging like you're just sort of moving from place to place there's been some little like activities like i just i did a mission where you have to split the party into different groups to go accomplish different little objectives which again like final fantasy 6 and stuff did that and it's like oh you know you got to get past these these spotlights and there's like a sniper so some of you go ahead and turn off the lights for your partners and you got to do that in a way that uh doesn't get you caught uh, like, that stuff is, like, okay, just to mix things up. By and large, like, exploring outside of, like, maybe talking to some people. Like, oh, I feel like there could be some more stuff here. Um, and then, the, like I said, the combat itself, I think, is, is largely enjoyable. But it's also, um, and maybe this is, like, the game overall. I've, it's It can be pretty challenging in a way that's a little punishing. Like, because one, um, healing items are somewhat hard to come by. Like, you have to kind of buy them uh and they're expensive uh there have been points where i almost felt like under leveled in some areas in a way that i was kind of surprised by like there was one point earlier where i hit a wall and i was like oh i'm surprised i'm having a this hard of a time this early uh and then getting like a game over doesn't like reset your health at all it just sort of reloads your last save so if you were like it's very much it seems like it's very easy to save yourself into a corner um because because of that like oh if you were like trying to get by on a sliver of health and you die you're still going to reload with what you have (laughs) instead of just giving you full hp and you can only have three save slots in the game so you have to be very careful about like again where you save so you can't do the thing like i guess it prevents save scumming but like it it doesn't feel like there's enough at least again from what i play there's enough opportunity between like matches or or, like segments where like i just need to get to a, a clinic and heal my party because like i have this long stretch of getting like my ass kicked and i'm out of healing items and i've petered out halfway through and i don't know how i'm gonna get through this fight and it also does the encounter thing that i've never really liked where it's actually the pokemon style where like you walk in front of someone they go hey and they stop you in their tracks and they're like we're fighting because you're in my my vision cone like you can kind of sneak by them like they at least give they give you like an awareness meter that sort of fills up but it fills up real fast. Like, you got to be, like... Like, there were times where I was, like, creeping. And it was, like, barely... Like, it was, like, a sliver before they'd be like, Hey, you! 
Uh, and I, I don't know. I've, I've never liked that in Pokemon. Like, I've, I always wish, like, if I can see the enemies in the world, just let me, let them patrol, but just let me sort of, like, be able to avoid them and not do the, like, you know what I mean? Or let me engage them on my own, because, like, you can't preemptively attack people, like, to do the thing, like, oh, I, I caught you. Now I get a bonus. Or at least let me go up and initiate the fight. It's kind of like they just see you and they're like, you're, we're fighting now. Deal with it. And there's also no flea option. At least not yet. So, like, again, there's signs where, like, I can't I just cannot be in a fight right now. I have nothing. And I was like, can I just run away, please? But it's like, no, you're, you're, you're stuck. So either win or you're going to lose and then reload with the same crap that you had. I don't know. I, I wish that stuff on the difficulty was a little bit better. But again, I, I still have a ways to go. From what I have heard, the game is like roughly 30 to 40 hours long. Um, and that's coming from the devs. So like I said, there's still a whole lot of game. But so far, I'm like mostly cool with it. Uh, you know, we'll see how that evolves. Uh, I don't know if you guys are like RPG fans or what your level of RPG fandom is. I don't know if you guys have seen a lot of this game. Is there anything that stands out or interests you at all? I I had not really heard of this game until you're talking about it today. I think because you play so many wrestling games, I assumed this was another one of the like, I don't know, not standard wrestling games, but you you mentioned kind of like that a fighting game. Yeah, yeah. There's like yeah. a style that you usually go to. This is definitely the most interested I've been in a wrestling adjacent game because of all the non-wrestling stuff you're mentioning that sounds interesting to me. You mentioned that it was punishing, and I was going to say, you mentioned the mechanic of like the hype meter and how if it gets too far in one way, one person starts getting buffs and the other one gets debuffs. Yeah, or like, it depends on the fight, but yeah, like usually the the person that has the crowd on their side is just like better, like they got just more stuff on their side. I can just I can see that really snowballing. Um, I think I think it's a fun idea, but I don't know what it what it is exactly that's making me. I feel like I had some experience of a game similar to that, where it sounds fun, but then when you're getting in this scenario where you have really low health, then you can get steamrolled really fast if they manage to like get a lot of momentum on you. Yeah, it's a. Uh... I I would say there were times where the hype was like not on my side, and I managed to like get out of there. Like I don't, it's not like a foregone conclusion of like, well, they got all the hype, I'm, gotcha. I'm screwed. It's like if you still manage your turns well, you can get yourself out of holding. Like because again, the better you do, you're also getting the hype back to your side, so you mm-hmm. kind of you know reduce. It. And there are also items you can uh, equip or use to sort of like artificially add hype. Basically, what are the hype items? Oh, God, there was a, actually the Vince McMahon elephant. He has a really funny move called Cheap Pop, which is a term in wrestling where it's basically like if you go out to talk to the crowd and if you want to get a cheap pop, you just say something good about their city because that's like the easiest way to get cheered. Mm. Like, yeah, I'm so happy to be here in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, and people will automatically cheer. Like he said that you mispronounced Rock, Louisville, but close enough. As The Rock once famously made fun of Toronto for reacting of like, really? I just said the name of your city. (laughs) Uh (laughs) You guys act like you've never heard the name of your city before. But I mean, like, like that's his thing. Like he comes out, he shoots like some fireworks and everyone just goes, whoa. And then you just get like a boost to your hype, like automatically, Uh, like things like that you can do. But yeah, like I said, like it can definitely on top of like the enemies having their own, you know, different abilities of like, oh, this guy's the healer. He's adding a bunch of buffs to his team just naturally, and then he gets the bonus of the hype meter. It can definitely... The deck, get, the deck gets stacked against you more, so, even more in this game outside of, like, man, we're just not winning right now. But, like, not only are we losing, but they have, like, yeah. everything on your side right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. Uh, so that can that that can be pretty tough. But I like I, say, I there's only been a few instances where I was like, I think I'm just I think I'm just screwed. Uh, and again, a lot of it has to do with like, I, man, I just wish I could just flee this battle because I, I didn't even want to be in this fight. <laughs> I knew I wasn't ready for it, <laughs> but I have to be because I can't flee and you put this enemy right in front of me. So I have to fight them. And there's also no, again, from what I played, this could change. There's no fast travel either. So it's not like I can just warp back to a town and be like, well, let me warp back, heal, and then try again. It's like, no, nah, I'm already out here. So, I mean, I could manually walk back, I guess, but <laughs> do I want to do that? So yeah, like like things like that uh, that I feel like could be streamlined a bit better, and I don't think it would really affect the challenge of the game that much. Uh, at least, yeah, we'll see. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe they'll introduce that stuff later as it goes on. But yeah, I don't know. What about you, Blake? What is your? I'm just curious. Like, what is your history of wrestling, Blake? So you you mentioned that you knew some people. Did you ever watch back in the day? Or not really. I just know nah, just cultural osmosis. Yeah. Um, this game sounds cool. I don't think it's for me. I'm not a big RPG guy. Also, not a big 40-hour-plus uh, long game guy. That's fair. <laughs> um, but it seems cool. Wait, I remember isn't one you... of your favorite games Death Stranding? <laughs> yeah. Yes. How many hours is Death Stranding? <laughs> Famously short game. Uh, I don't know how long. It took it? me 50 hours to beat. I remember Let's that. Let's see here. HLTB Death Stranding. It's like a 40-hour game. Yeah. But... Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, there are exceptions to every role. Uh, no, I remember you writing about this like a year or so ago and being like, sounds cool. I just, not really for me. Not my thing. Not a not a big RPG guy, um, for the most part. But it seems cool. Sounds neat. I like the lengths they've gone to incorporate wrestling into uh, every bit of the like standard or tro- not tropey in a negative sense, but like in RPG tropes and shit. Mm-hmm. I think that's really right. neat. So sounds cool. Yeah, like I said, I think the ideas are there. I I'm curious to see how they evolve and see how the. Uh how difficulty scales and and what they add as we go on. So yeah, uh, keep an eye out for a review coming in the next week or so. Uh, And like I said, the game is now coming out on August 22nd. But yeah, Charles, speaking of RPGs, you have been playing more Baldur's Gate 3. I have. Which we talked a bit about last week. Uh, How's that going? Dude, it's like the game just cast hold person on me because I have not been able to tear myself away from it. That uh, hold person for those. It's a spell that it makes you paralyzed. Thank just, you uh, for context. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I had I had like kind of I had like made a character before and I had like kind of messed around in the beta, but like truly for never more than like 20 minutes. And now I'm like 15 hours in. I am so obsessed with this game. Last night I was playing it and I thought it was 930 and then it was 1245. I was it was truly sucked me in. And yeah, I, it's just, I, I really like Dungeons and Dragons. I mentioned this last time. So that's very much like where I'm coming from with this of, I've always been the DMs when I was putting the game together. This is one where I get to go in and do it. I like managing my whole party. Um, it's also kind of feels like Pokemon for me in the sense of whenever you level up like a spellcaster, there's a bunch of different like spells you can choose from. And in Pokemon, if you've played a bunch of games, you're like, all right, I know what Razor Leaf does. I know what Leech Seed does. I know what, you know, whatever grass type move does. So when you're leveling up a Pokemon, you're like, I don't need to really think about this. I can just make the selections. Whereas like the first time you're playing, you're like, okay, what is, how much power is this? What does this do? Whatever. 
Baldur's Gate 3, I, I, I like know D&D spells so well that every time I level someone up, I'm like, I'm definitely getting this spell, that spell, this spell. Um, there's some stuff where I'm like in a tabletop setting, this is more applicable. But here, like I didn't think I would want create or destroy water so often, but there's fire all the time and it's really nice to be able to put out fires. But yeah, I mean... I don't I don't even know if I have that much like intelligent to say about it. I just I just really, really like it. I think the the thing that really blew my mind last night is I had a barbarian character and I had noticed in the actions wheel, there's like a throw attack you can do. And usually it's like you throw something from your inventory, but the description says throw an item or creature. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And I was in this goblin camp and there was a bottomless pit nearby and so I just pushed one into the pit and I picked the other one up and chucked it into the other pit. And it was like, that would have been like five attacks, but they're light enough that I could literally just throw them. And it, it's so fun when you like figure out how to do stuff like that. I have a question. Yes. So a month or two ago, Larian comes out. They're like, you, fellas, you're not going to believe this. We got 400 billion hours of cutscenes in this game. And my head goes two places. One, pretty impressive. Two, made under good labor conditions. <laughs> Three, yeah. how much of that is, uh, you know, the, the the Bioware shot, reverse shot, shot, reverse shot? How, so, what, how, what are those cutscenes actually like now that you're in the, in the thick of it? It's definitely shot, reverse shot. But okay. I will say it's like, and maybe I just haven't played a lot of games like this, but it, it's like the most impressive version of that I've seen okay. where like, it's not just like, there are some things where like you're... Your character, I know he's got like a smirking animation or like a hmm animation, but he doesn't talk. When people are talking, like their mouths are matching the words, they're kind of moving pretty realistically. It's not just like a, a set of like recycled animations, which was really cool. Um, they're not saying the same sentence and replacing like a name with a different name. Yeah, exactly. And there are so many ways you can approach situations. Like I. In, in this goblin camp I mentioned, there's a pit with giant spiders. And I, I decided to save and just see what would happen. I jumped in. I could cast speak with animals. And then if I wanted to, I could convince the spiders to come out and fight the goblins for me. Oh, but then wow. the fact that there's so many animals, <laughs> they all have voice lines because you can cast speak with animals. Yeah. And That's like... But realistically, someone could go the whole game and never cast that spell because they wouldn't think it's useful or maybe they just don't feel like doing it. Wait, what's the what's the conversation with the spiders play out? Like, how do they... They're like, oh, oh yes, come closer. Let me eat you and, and web, web all up on you. And I'm like, oh, maybe, hey, maybe eat goblins. That's a little tastier. Like, and then you roll the dice. Um, that is a fun crazy. thing, a fun a phenomenon with just with the dice rolling of... I'm so used to the the dice rolling and being like, sometimes you get a nat one. It's 20 sides. If you get a one, no matter what you would add to it, it's a failure. So any action you do, there's a 5% chance of losing. So funny to see so many clips of people just rolling nat ones on like really (laughs) important things because it's like, that's the game. That's why there's dice is because it's fun when you just mess up in the middle of nowhere because like that's how life feels. Like every time you're having a conversation, it's a series of risks um yeah i i've been on dates and i said something and in my head i'm like that was a nat one i shouldn't have said that exactly (laughs) that was dumb uh i 
I, it's, I want to play this because I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I actually, I enjoy D&D too. Like I've played quite a few D&D campaigns in my day. Uh, so it's up my alley, even though I've never played a, a Baldur's Gate before. Um, but like, like you said, the dice rolling and having that randomness of like, this can go either really well or very poorly. And it's, it's up to fate. See what happens like that excites me. Uh, how are you finding the storytelling as a DM yourself? Like, mm. are you kind of like, do you find like any inspiration of like, oh, that's a, that's a cool idea. I want to use that. Or like, you're like, oh, I could, maybe I would have done this different. Like I had to stack up to you. It is an interesting thing of one. I feel like every time I do something in a game, there's a weird phenomenon where then I encounter it outside of game immediately after. So we just finished my two year campaign in which the main villains were mine. Yeah. Flavors. In real life. In real life. <laughs> Your real life uh, D&D camp. Yes. In which I had a whole like clan of mind flayers. They were all the villains. And now in this game, it's like that's you. the inciting incident is you're on this mind flayer ship and you have to figure out what to do with this parasite. But, you know, I, I think there's like always going to be natural limitations. And that's like one of the fun things about D&D of like when I'm prepping a session, I can never be prepared for the time. I don't know. I, I, I prepped a thing where I was like, this guy's on trial for murder and you guys have to defend him. I was in like a Phoenix Wright mode and I was hoping they were going to do that. And then my players end up being like, why would we follow the legal system? This is Dungeons and Dragons and went through a whole bunch of other (laughs) shenanigans, completely bypassing this entire like law mini game it made up. And it was like, of course, that makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't they do that? So there's some things like that where it's like, you can't do literally anything. You can't like fully break the game. But I have been surprised in the things you can convince of people and the ways that like, I don't know, just one failed dice roll can turn a conversation into a combat encounter. And for someone else, this might be like their allies or just like a, a passing memory. And for you, it's like a life or death encounter out of nowhere. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I've always, I've never played a and d game either. And, you know, now that I'm a, like half played d I've always wondered like how far games could go with like, again, the, the open-endedness of D&D. Uh, like, cause that is like you mentioned, that's the fun part of like, you present a scenario and then me and my team go to hard opposite in a way where like, I did not account for that, but let's, let's just see how it goes, man. Uh, like obviously games have like much sturdier walls in place. Like they can stretch to a degree, but you know, there's always going to be a limit. Um, so you, you just kind of hope that the game just allows for enough, just like, I guess, creativity basically. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm excited to play this. God, I, I said this last week where it's like, I feel like there's no good time to play this game yeah, <laughs> for no. something that's big. Cause it, it's like, I could play it now, but I'm still tied up with like, not only rest quest for review, but like I haven't finished Zelda or final fantasy. And then like the PS five port, which is what I was originally and might still play it on. That comes out the same day as Starfield, which it's like, dang it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I got to, I need this is why we need a hyperbolic time chamber like <laughs> Elon Musk or whoever has money get on that like wouldn't Please. that be great Just, I I like, was oh. really like playing last night I played for a long time and didn't feel like I actually progressed in the story all that much I was just kind of like making my way around and I was already like man I I'm dreading Starfield's release date because I'm going to want to play that. And I don't think I'm going to be done with this by then. And I kind of just want to play this game forever. And I wish I, I, wish I didn't have other, <laughs> other stuff to do. Um, yeah. 
the uh, before the other forever game comes out exactly uh, the other thing i was gonna say is i haven't playing it on steam deck um, oh yeah not, is it verified or what what's like it is what's now the, verified means that it's like totally good to go right yeah it used to be okay. playable and it was like it was basically fully playable you just had to like change one setting in the properties menu in the game but now it's it's just fully verified nice um it runs pretty well i have come i have run into some like hiccups uh particularly in like there's some cutscenes that are really like effects heavy where the frame rate suffers a little bit and the main issue i would say on the steam deck is the hair looks weird it's like pixely mm. and like the textures are just kind of odd but it's one of those things where every time I boot it up, I'm like, that looks weird. And then after I played for like 10 minutes, I'm just not really thinking about it anymore. Um, That's just so. how hair looked in fake medieval <laughs> times. Back in like, this is pre-conditioner. Otherwise, we'd all have pixely hair today. Exactly. That's that's good, though. That seems like a for as massive as that game is, being able to take it with you sounds nice. And then who knows? You could turn to someone on the bus and be like, hey, man, I got this really hard choice to make. What would you do in this situation? <laughs> Just stranger. I'm talking to Jason, I love Jason Isaac's character, and he's he's asking me a hard question right now. <laughs> what do I do? Yeah, you should do that, Charles. Please, like, man on the street style, get some uh, outside Please. opinions and, and report back to let us know how it ruined your game. The, fun, <laughs> the funny part... <laughs> The funny Bad part thing. is, is like how, how when you're doing like a, uh, there, you know how some teachers, they'll make multiple choice tests and every question has E, none of the above. Yeah. Or like every time you're like, oh, there's an option where it's none of this. Every conversation, one of the options is just start attacking. Or you can even on, on the Steam Deck, you can just hold the Y button and just initiate combat. So I do like the idea of going out, talking to random people and it's like, should I do this decision, this decision or fight them? And just statistically... I'm just going to get into so many fights if it's all random selections. Yeah. yeah. Also, just want to say, I don't know if it's the same to you guys, different school systems, but I feel like E was only ever right like one time on every yeah. test. It could be a test of like 100 questions and E is only once the, the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a scam. It, uh, a scamtron is what we called it, right? Wow. Yeah, got him. Take that. John Scantron, inventor of the Scantron, maybe. I don't know. Uh, all right, Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, I, I, God, I hope I want to play it. I got to carve out some time for no other reason for like Game of the Year stuff, which is croaching ever closer. Uh, Blake, what is, uh, what is VR Skater? Well, it's a skating game in VR. Really? Yeah, believe it or not. Uh, okay. Right. Well, moving on. Uh, it's our time, folks. <laughs> Here's the thing, folks. Uh, if you've followed me or my work over the years, which honestly you have no reason to, I am a nobody and I am nothing. But if you have, you might have heard, um, my correct opinion that Tony Hawk's Underground is the greatest game ever made. People always talking about Chrono Cross and Final Fantasy VII and all this Garbo games, baby games for babies. Tony Hawk's Underground is where it's at. I am a lifelong fan of skateboarding games. Not a skateboarder myself because I have too much of a sense of self-preservation. I mean, get did you ever boards. get go through the phase of like Tony Hawk fandom where you attempt to skateboard? Because I, I feel like I ever, yeah, I, I certainly I, did. I'm like, I think I could do this, and then I did. No, I can't. And like I said, my sense of self-preservation won out, and I uh, quickly stopped attempting to skateboard. You didn't try to jump over a helicopter. 
But uh, while Rafi's new noise plays, uh, one of the sickest video game moments of all time. Uh, I am definitely, like, I don't really get down with skate games. Though I did like Skater XL, which was... A pretty oh, you're semi- talking about kind of more like a semi, like like mm-hmm. Skate the Franchise. Yes, okay. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, I've always been more into the arcade side, Skater XL being the outlier. I did really like that game. But VR Skater came along, and I had just so happened, serendipitously, to have borrowed the Game Informer PSVR 2 from Kyle Hilliard, which I will uh, not be returning anytime in the foreseeable future, because I am now VR-pilled. Uh, and code for this came in, which I had remembered... From uh, trailers, I think it popped up at a PlayStation event, like during their VR thing, and I was like, wow, looks like a quick way to vomit. Never going to play that. But Kyle was like, here's a code for it, check it out. It's awesome, is what I'm going to say. It is definitely, so I brought up not really being to the simi side of things, because this is very much uh, simulation focused. It is not, you are not going around, at least initially, like you're in a Tony Hawk game where you're just doing McTwists off of, you know, curbs, like, and all this crazy stuff and racking up two million point combos like it's nothing. Um, so the, the pitch of it is basically simple. First person, point of view, you are on a skateboard, you are riding to the end of a level. There are plenty of natural obstacles because it's like a street skating focused game. So, you know, instead of doing tricks off like half pipes and everything, you're grinding on curbs or jumping off staircases, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Whether it be like the school level or a neighborhood or blah, blah, blah. There's several different unique levels. And it's cool because it makes you, to the best of its ability, feel like you are skateboarding right i mean there's the immediate impact of i look down and there is a board under my feet and when i do a trick i look down and the board is moving under me and i land it and i roll away and that's great i say Uh, how does that like is it tracking your feet because so much of skateboarding is like you know lower body like how how is it reading what you're doing on the board so um you it's using mouth commands so you just are going like ollie kickflip and the Oh, you're saying no? So. I'm, oh. I'm kidding. I'm oh, okay. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, really? totally <laughs> messing with you. That's like, it's amazing that wasn't the first thing you said. So, uh, <laughs> so most simply, Ollie and Nolly are just tied to. Um, Ollie is tied to the X and O button on the right controller for the PSVR two. Nolly is tied to, I guess, the equivalent would be triangle and square. But all the other tricks, like flip tricks, are tied to motion controls. And they mimic the actual feet movement you would do on a skateboard to do a trick. Um, obviously, you just you can't use your feet. There are no feet controllers for that I'm aware of, at least easily accessible feet controllers. You could tie the, the controllers to your feet. Theoretically, you could, but you would still need the buttons. So, like, to do a kickflip, imagine the motion of a kickflip is ollieing up and at the same time flicking your foot off the left side of the board, which spins the board around and then you catch land so to do that you would take your left hand and flick up and out after an ollie that does the kickflip you then you press the ollie button again that catches you land so you have to catch every trick which is very important otherwise you're so not you don't have to do anything with your legs technically no not really at all um, okay because there would just be no way for it to read so could you sit down and play this then mm. It would be really hard because you do have to kick the board. The board does not automatically go, so you need the motion of kicking, of moving your oh. arm back and forth. Um, okay. 
so it takes a while to get to get down right like it, it, it there's a learning curve to understanding like how this game is played the actual motions of tricks how to catch tricks how to even figure out how to time a jump to be able to clear an obstacle you know you can't just like quickly press the ollie button and you're over things you have to like wait okay i'm this far from you know whatever the obstacle may be i need this much speed i need to release at this point otherwise my board is going to impact with it and i'm going to fall off so like on top of just being like "Ah, i'm going to do a bunch of fun tricks you all of a sudden have this like kind of like a physics simulator where you are you know weighing your speed versus distance versus how much height you need um versus how many tricks you can do in the air before landing versus like you know can i land into a manual well if you're doing something off like you know say 10 to 15 feet you're not going to land in a manual you're just going to fall so it's like but maybe on a shorter jump you can land in a manual and then you can extend your uh you can extend your combo so it becomes this like interesting balancing of act of how to get through levels how to get bigger combos or create new lines and you know, levels are short enough that you can ride from one end to the other in a minute or two. But it's all the mini interactions on the way there that creates this, like, really interesting and fun, like, play play loop. Where it's like, all right, on this way, I'm going to hit this staircase. I'm going to hit this gap. Uh, maybe I'll grind this ledge. And then I'll try, you know, I'll, I'll hang a left here and hit this big jump, try to do like a, a triple kickflip or whatever, because I'll have enough hang time. But once I get sent back, because once you reach the end of the level, it just warps you right back. Maybe instead of going left, you'll go right. Maybe you'll hit this this gap instead of that gap. Maybe you'll try to grind this ledge instead of ollieing down it, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's just, it, it, it all works really well for the most part. I think the game is technically very impressive, made by one person, which... Uh, is Whoa. very surprising. I think it's yeah. not without its faults. I think in its pursuit to be a simulation, it has uh, sidestepped some quality of life things it could benefit from. Like grinds are very annoying to line, to line up and actually land. There's a lot of times where it's like, I feel like I should have landed it, but I missed it by like what looks in the camera to be a quarter of an inch. And it's like, come on, just you know, just kind of warp me to the to the grinder. Sometimes falling when it puts you back on the board, like you'll fall and it'll just instantly warp you back. Um, it'll put you immediately in front of the obstacle, so there's nowhere to go. So you'll have to like get off your board, go through the process of teleporting behind you so you can get a roll up. But like in the grand scheme of things, pretty small issues. And mm. compared to the fun of like launching off a kicker 20 feet in the air doing like a, a fucking 540 hard flip catching with a tail grab and then landing on that impact and rolling away like feels fantastic and most importantly i'm not getting nauseous while playing this game which feels insane to me i was gonna ask like how immersive it feels i i feel like just the idea of like i'm gonna do a big jump over this huge ramp and if mm-hmm. the if the illusion is strong enough you would feel almost like the butterflies of like oh my god i'm flying on like yeah board over no it's it's i'm totally fine and i'm not going to speak to everyone's experience playing vr because i think you know your results may vary there but like i said it's funny i pulled footage from it and i uh for a tiktok that kyle posted i sent it to a friend he's like i'm getting nauseous watching this and i'm like yeah but it doesn't feel that jerky when you're in there like the the animation feels very fluid you you know you're you're not really getting that weird inner ear thing where it's like 
in the game you're rolling, but because you're not in real life, you feel sick instantly. Like, I don't know what is going on under the hood there. I don't know what PSVR 2 is doing in general because I just don't get motion sick in PSVR 2 the way I have with other headsets. If you play this on, it's on some of the PC VRs. Maybe maybe the experience will be different there. I'm just having no motion sickness issues in PSVR 2 right now. And, like, that goes for this game. Like, I'll definitely get out and feel a little weird because I've been two hours of in this game constantly flying through things. But it's not a thing where I'm like, I need to sit down because I'm queasy. I'll just be like, I feel a little weird coming out of I it. I feel but. like my my fear is, like, first person wiping out. So, like, I'll wipe out and, like, Tony Hawk, <laughs> yeah. and it looks absolutely brutal. And, like, the idea of, like, a first-person view of me trying to grind eating it and then like hitting like face first into the pole before rolling on down some stairs yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you definitely like... create a good amount of room to play this thing because you are moving your arms around i woke up one morning with just the sorest arms after playing this for like four hours one day which i'm not sure i highly recommend spending that much time in the game uh without stopping but you know what i mean a, a good idea to add even more immersion is if you've got a Tony Hawk's ride board laying around and you stand on that thing while you're playing. And you could hear the sound of crunching plastic under you the whole time of those terribly <laughs> I mean, made boards. Pretend you're on like a Ricky skateboard. It's like old. You probably shouldn't be on it, but you're like, this is old reliable. I've had this since I was a kid. And like every, every grind you're like, this is going to be the one where this board snaps in half. <laughs> um, and what else are you going to do with those Tony Hawk ride boards? You know, that's how you recycle them, right? That's right. Well, anyway, that's VR Skater. Um, <laughs> I have other games to talk about, though. Okay. What do you? What else have you been playing? All VR stuff? One more VR thing than one game from 20 years ago. Uh, well, actually, this game's kind of from t- more than 20 years ago. Let me ask y'all a question. Charles, I don't know if you'll be able to answer yes to this because you're uh, 13. Something like that, yeah. Y'all ever heard of Rez, dude? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I played Rez Carsey? No uh oh. res the sega dreamcast ps2 game uh i played res for the first time oh, uh, marcus you ever played this thing believe it or not i've never played any version of res i'm oh, very familiar with it but i've God. never played okay a res game okay so res was done by united game artists which was one of sega's internal studios when they were doing that big push for like weird creative games for the dreamcast this is where we also got like jet set radio uh panzer dragoon i think preceded it by a little bit this was famously produced by Tetsuya Mizuguchi of now Enhanced Fame, Tetris Effect, Luminous, uh, all the synesthesia stuff, uh, served as the producer of Humanity most recently. This is kind of the big game he is known for. It was his, definitely not his first game, but uh, his first big swing for the fences with his vision of the intersection of music, games, and synesthesia, which is this like uh, experience by activating one cognitive sensory thing you create the illusion of another one being affected so it's kind of like seeing music might kind of be a way to imagine it so res has been around forever has a hardcore fan base and i have always put off playing it because i thought it would be best to play in vr which vr is not an accessible thing i had to wait until i had a job where we were given free vr and then i could play without paying for it so the first thing i did i came home i played res and I think it is just the platonic ideal of a video game. It is it's one of those rare games where you're playing it in the moment. You're like, oh, this is one of my favorite games of all time. I just started this, and this is all I ever want. Um, to anyone who's played Res, I'm just going to be preaching to the choir. But it is kind of like 
the perfect culmination of like visuals and interaction and sound all at the same time to create synesthetically almost like a trance experience. Like if you distill res down to its like most basic form, it is effectively a rail gun shooter with the illusion of being a rhythm game, but you do not have to play it on the rhythm. But what they have done by combining like um, expressionist paintings and rave culture of the like late nineties and early two thousands, like all the like European rave stuff with all the like uh, Shibuya culture of that era, because United game artists was like literally based in the heart of Shibuya, which was a huge part of their games creates this, like you go in and you become a part of Res. It sounds so, like such a dumb marketing bullet point, but it is so immersive and you are so just a part of it. And the music is so good. And the gameplay is ju- it's like very engaging, but without pushing back too much. That like you are just like in it. <laughs> like you feel like you are in the 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 freaking computer in which the game story takes place where you're trying to eliminate viruses and all this stuff like i cannot recommend this game enough if you can play it in vr i mean it's fun on its own i've played it outside of vr and that's fun but it's like truly getting in there and experiencing res is like it's not even it sounds so dumb i hate myself right now like it's (laughs) an experience it is like less a game and it is like you go in there and you feel res you don't play res I've heard, like, because obviously Res, like you mentioned, has been around forever. Like, yeah. I've heard similar sentiments from people that love that game. Yeah. I mean, there was even that, um, Res was the one that had, uh, when the VR version first came out, had that, like, sensory suit. Yes. That yes. Uh, they would take the press events. I don't know yeah. if they ever, I don't think they ever, like, sold that. No, right? only they, only, like, events. they only did the one, and it's uh, decommissioned now. Uh, but Uh-oh. they have Synesthesia done other well they've done other synesthesia things not just with res but they have like a chair with like i think it's like 40 speakers on it that you lay in and they oh vibrate <laughs> like enhance is a cra- united game artist is long shut down but like enhance where mizuguchi what mizuguchi founded later i like to think it's actually it's not a chair with speakers on it it is just a speaker shaped like a chair mm, <laughs> no, like no, a speaker no. you can sit on <laughs> no look up the stuff enhance does with synesthesia it's crazy but so when um, Enhance first kicked up, it was to basically re-release Res for modern consoles. And they did that with now the version you go by, which is Res Infinite, um, which has the entirety of Res that you can play or play in VR. But it also has a new level they made, you know, at that point, 15 years after Res, uh, called Area X. And this is like 15 minutes, one of the greatest things I've ever played. So Res, you go in there, and it looks great in the retro way. It looks great. Like, oh, this is what people thought, like, the information superhighway would look like in 90, 2001 or whenever that game came out. It kind of looks, you know, looks a little outdated, but, like, still a very interesting and, like, fascinating art style. Area X, on the other hand, is like, what if there was 2 billion particle effects at all times? So you still have that typical Res gameplay. You are flying around, shooting things, but they're just blowing up into particle effects particle effects so you're still getting the res thing where you're like you're in it it's trance like you are pure vibes brain empty just bounce into the music but like visually it is so amazingly impactful because it's you know at that point made on like unreal engine 4 so they're able to just push that thing and like everything just looks like you're in the middle of a fireworks show dude i can't recommend this game enough like play it in vr only like that is the way to play it 
that come to Minnesota. Alex Stadnick was in town recently for his wedding. And he dropped me off yes. at my house at like 11.45 the other night. And I said, get in my house right now and play Res. And I made him play. <laughs> you, you kidnapped Alex Stadnick to play Res. I, I made him play through Area X. I was like, you're not going to regret this. And he puts it on. And, you know, like, I can't hear the game, but I can hear him. And I'm just hearing him go, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, like constantly. You should have convinced him to have them play the Res soundtrack at his reception. Yeah, that was. I mean, the Res soundtrack. It's amazing. Everyone dancing to Res. Yeah, and they don't even realize what they're dancing to. The Res soundtrack's fantastic, but I can't recommend it enough. If you have the means to get Res and play it in VR, I think it is uh, truly one of the best games I've ever played in my entire dumb life. It's awesome. And to be clear, is this version Res Infinite? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so I actually. I do own this because it was like free at some point. So I yep. have it in my PlayStation library, but I don't I mean, check have any it. PlayStation VR. Check it out. I just think like VR. So I think it, the, I maybe I'm misspeaking here, but I think when they originally made Res, the idea was like, this would be cool as VR. It almost feels mm-hmm. like you're like playing through something Johnny Mnemonic might see if when he goes into the vr zone or whatever so actually bringing it into vr feels like they were actually able to deliver on the original vision of the game that i think when you're just playing it on a standard screen you're missing kind of like the pitch of why res is so impactful but like also on the uh, like that's not to say if you play res without vr it doesn't rock it's still rad it still rules i just think vr is like the way that game is meant to be played um but also VR is inaccessible and expensive and I am not going to in good conscience tell anyone to go buy a $500 headset so you can play one game, which is like kind of all PSVR 2 is good for is like, oh, you can play three games and most of them are shooting galleries. <laughs> but I was lucky to be able to borrow one. Anyway, Res, the best. It's weird. I, similar topic, but like I, I, I'm almost kind of surprised, but I really shouldn't be that I, that PSVR 2 is as like readily available as this because I'll go to like Walmart or something and I always see them there like in stock. Yeah, and, and it, then maybe you... I'm so conditioned to like the PS5 never. Yeah. Seen, I still have never seen a PS5 in the wild, even though I think it's supposed to be better now. It's it's wild too to launch a $500 headset, make it readily available, uh, put this big marketing push behind it, and then you go to the storefront for VR 2 and it's like this all looks like dog crap. It's like you can play Res, which great. You can play Tetris Effect, which is too hard. I'm not into it. Uh, or VR Skater. And then it's like, uh, everything else is like, oh, you want to shoot a bow and arrow in VR? And it's like, come on, we are past this. Like, make something interesting. Why are you going to invest millions of dollars into this headset and then have the software be, like, effectively mostly, like, a, I don't know, proofs of concept for the idea of VR? It's like, make something interesting, you know? I mean, that's always been the knock against VR. I mean, it also doesn't help that a lot. I don't, maybe not a lot. I know a good bit of that stuff, at least for PSVR 2 specifically, was on PSVR 1 or just other headsets. So it's like technically not even new. It's just kind of like it's it's over here now. The, it's not backwards compatible, though. So people would have to update their games. So a lot of the like standout PSVR 1, one games, like uh, Blood and Truth or whatever, you cannot play on PSVR 2, which is a bummer. Which is that game wild. looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they brought over like. Not recently, but like I mean, guess I remember like like Beat Saber, and you're like, oh, I mean, Beat Saber's great, but like it's also it's Beat Saber. <laughs> yeah, but that's like <laughs> what five to ten games out of forty, and the other thirty oh, are yeah, just I was like, say, it's like, yeah. What I was just saying, like I'm 
that's why I'm not compelled to buy one. Like, exactly. Store and I'm like, oh, I could buy this right now yeah. if I wanted to. But then you go, what would I actually do? One hundred percent. Yeah, it's like again, Half Life Alex is the like that's the thing that will convince me to get it because like, but that's not PSVR, right? This game. That's not. I mean, I mean, if they ever announce it, like that's the one thing I only want is like just announce that you're bringing it to PSVR too. For the love of God, like if you do, I will actually consider buying your headset because I'm a Half Life fan. And it annoys me that there's a new Half-Life game that I can't play and it's apparently really good. Uh, so that that would be the one. Other than that, it's like, eh, like you know, I, I never bought the first one. And yep. so And I, I don't have any VR. So. Also, really quick, because I'm dogging on PSVR 2 right now while saying, hey, these two PSVR 2 games are great. They're also available on PC VR, which probably has a better catalog overall. So like... You don't have to play Res only on PlayStation. You can get it on Steam and play it with your Oculus or whatever the hell meta things or whatever they are. And then you probably have a better catalog because you can also play Half-Life Alex and Boneworks and all those things. But I'm trying to play it on my Apple Vision Pro. Good, good luck. <laughs> you know what I found out? out is Thank Red... goodness you didn't spend $500 on a PSVR 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> seven times. That's yeah. out of the question, yeah. Um, okay, I have one more game. Okay, real quick. Y'all ever play Charles? You're 13, right? I don't know if you've something, something like that. Yeah. I don't know if you will have heard of this one. Your your perception of my age is the same as your perception of my height. I think <laughs> before we were recording, Blake was like, "Yeah, Charles, I just assumed you were like, you know, five nine or five yeah. eight. and then I stood up and I'm six foot six. <laughs> I think Blake just thinks you're in middle school. <laughs> uh, no, you know what's weird about Charles? So for a lot of my career, I'm getting older now, guys. I've been doing this professionally for eight years. For a lot of my career, I was the youngest person. When I wrote at Kill Screen, I was the baby. I was like 22 or whatever. But now I've aged to where people are younger than me, and it's like Charles hits me where I'm like, oh my god, I'm not the young one anymore. I'm getting old. And it's like, it's Now you can unleash me. all of that passive aggressive energy you used to get of like hey baby boy do you know what this is now you're like i can do it now so many people have called me baby blake so i guess we got to call you uh child charles (laughs) Charles. even that makes me sound older (laughs) yeah um yeah i was gonna say you mentioned the dreamcast and i looked it up and that the dreamcast got discontinued uh three days after no two days after my first birthday uh, my happy birthday, God. Happy birthday, Dreamcast. How old are you, Charles? I'm 23. Oh, okay, you're only six years. I say it makes them easy because it's 2023, so it's pretty yeah. easy to calculate yeah. date of birth. Yeah, so you don't yeah. remember 9 11. <laughs> and we, I mean, said, honestly, we said never forget, Charles. My, we said never my forget. Cousin, my cousin was actually born on 9 11 in 1999. Yeah, so for me, I'm always like, hey, my cousin's birthday, also respect the fault but i don't envy that i mean honestly like you you joke but that's like the one thing that makes me feel old is when i we cross the threshold of a generation that was not alive for 9-11 and then you're like and they tell you like oh i read about that and it's like what like say it again because you're like so used to like that's the one thing we all have in common is like where were you when 9-11 happened and to finally like that generation is our adults now to be like yeah i learned about that in high school it sounds pretty wild and you're just like Oh my God, it is. I'm old now. Yeah. So, speaking of 9 11, I recently played Killer 7, which in a lot of ways is about post 9 11. Okay. See okay. that segue there? Uh, yeah, I played Killer 7. Y'all ever play this damn game? Marcus, you ever play this thing? 
No, it's always been um I remember when it came out and I was reading reviews for it at the time. And I was trying to decide if it was something I would like, but I was like curious. I, it's one of those games that has always been on like my ancient backlog of like so, I should get to this. It's it's honestly like a super replay candidate. I know we've mm, done a replay. We've done Actually, a super replay of it. Oh, we did do it. Yeah. Then I was like, well, then then it's not then because I it's already been done. This is a game just in general with Suda Fifty One's games. People are like, Blake, you're gonna love this dude. I'm like, oh whatever. But had to play um, Killer Seven. And no more heroes for something rotten. Plunk, plunk, plunk. Uh, and Killer7, not unlike Rez, I was like, oh, it's just one of my favorite games of all time. Here it is. Uh, it is like, I was thinking about this recently where like, okay, when I say this, I recognize that by function of being a video game, you have style in the sense that every game has a vid- an art style. But I think games don't have, bi- big budget games, don't have style anymore. Like you think, I, know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, like you think of like going into the pause menu of any big budget game and it's all like it is either black and white text and that's it. Or it is just like a Excel sheet of like Destiny style upgrades. And there's exceptions, right? Like Persona 5 like had the greatest some of the greatest menus of all time. But playing Killer 7, I was like, I forgot that games could have style and that style could be in service of narrative and that even something like a pause menu could enrich your understanding of a game's world. And, like, that is killer. Se- that is everything in Killer7. From, like, the pause menus to the way characters move to the, the like, just one-off voice lines characters say. It is this, like, wild neo-noir, very strange and messy political thriller that feels like retroactively so far ahead of its time and the things it was doing. And I think it kind of sucks because it's like, there's this um, tendency to look at Japanese games and be like, Oh, they're quirky. They're so weird and never like dig beyond the surface. And I think I kind of felt that way with killer seven was, uh, I was yeah. like, I'm going to, especially pl- in its times. What was that? Like 2005? Yeah. A, a way dumber time for sure. Yeah. Like, I feel like if it came out today, it would honestly, I think it would do better just because there's been, you know, things are just broader now. Yeah. But, like, going back to it, it's like, man, this is a fully thought-out game in the sense of, like, I mean, I don't want to speak too highly of Suda. I don't know the man. I didn't work on this game. But it seems like a lot of attention. He likes wrestling, so he's doing something. Right. It seems like a lot of attention was paid in making this, like, a standout game. Like, unlike whatever else was coming out in 2005. Because you play it in 2023, and you're like, this feels like its own thing. Like, just the way you play the game is so different than any other video game. Just the way it looks while you're playing it, where the camera is situated near the character in proximity to them when you're walking, feels so interesting. The way you engage with its systems and the story it's trying to tell is like, it it blew me away. I think it's one of the neatest games you could possibly like check out right now because I think it stands the test of time by like, being this bizarre swing for the fences that does not land in every case. It's It's got some weird nationalist stuff in there, and also uh, it's obtuse in the way that games uh, aren't anymore, That like where it's like almost antagonistic to the player. Play it with the damn IGN guide open for the love of God, otherwise you're never getting through that thing. Um, yeah. Maybe how, I'm doing a bad you... job selling it, but <laughs> you can also go listen to something I rotten. I mean, those are... Again, it's the 2005 game, so those are like fair caveats. Yeah. Uh, how are you playing it? Did, I don't remember. Did they ever remaster that? They thing? did a few years ago. I played it on Steam 
runs like a dream. Okay. Um, it just, uh, yeah, play with like the IGN guide. Okay. So it, it's like it's readily available at least on PC. I'm, did they that remaster on consoles? Or? I think it's only PC. Um, oh, okay. Which gives you mouse and keyboard control, which is really good because I think the controller have always been really finicky, but playing with mouse and keyboard makes the like a uh, uh, Virtua Cop style aiming very easy and uh, not a pain in the ass. But man, check it out! Like I think if I think I'm doing a bad job of selling it, so do two things: go listen to Something Rotten, please, for the love of God, listen to our Killer Seven, No More Heroes season two. Just play it like don't go head empty. Think, are you? Do you want something different to play? Just play Killer Seven before anything else. It's like not that long, eight ten hours, and it will be a completely different gaming experience than you're used to. And I think that alone makes a game worth playing. Is like if you get something new and unexpected out of it. Um, also, probably one of the better video game stories I've gone through in a while. Except you kind of have to read a book afterwards, the Killer Seven book, to understand the story. But nevertheless, <laughs> that, that killed it. That has been, yes. luckily, that's been translated by some intrepid uh, GameFAQ users over the years. You can sit down and read it on a, in ASCII art or whatever. Um, anyway, shouts out to Killer7. Shouts out to Goichi Suda, friend of the show. Come on the pod, Suda. Yeah. I was going to say option three, if you don't want to do those other two things, uh, watch our Super Replay that exists on Game Informer we, YouTube channel. Uh, Suda was on an episode of that. So, he was. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that is right. I also so played no. That out. I also played no more heroes. I don't really have anything to say about it. Not really. Not Kelly <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Seven, man, uh, it's crazy. Let's uh, let's start bringing this uh, at least this section of the podcast home. Uh, Charles, you reviewed Stray Gods, which is that is that review up at the time that we're that this is going to be? Yeah, it should airing. go up Wednesday. Okay, this comes out Thursday, right? Yeah, this will be Thursday. Yes. Yes, I reviewed Stray Gods. The role-playing musical. The I guess role-playing technically the musical. full title. Um, yeah, and I did, I, I think I mentioned in the review that I do want to clarify, because I think the title's a little misleading. It, de- it depends on how you define the word role-playing. Like, if I was saying this is a role-playing game, I would think, like, Baldur's Gate or Final Fantasy VI or WrestleQuest. And this is more of role-playing in the sense of, like, you are embodying this character and making decisions as you think they would or as you want to. So there's not, like, gear. There's not leveling up. Um, it's I would qualify it as more of, like, an adventure game in that sense of, like, most of the gameplay is conversations. Um, yeah, it's a cool game. It's a good game. I gave it, uh, I think it was 8.25. Um, I greatly enjoyed it. The premise of the game is... Uh, Greek gods still exist and now they're known as idols and the way their like godhood basically works is when they die or like decide to die basically they pass their idol on which is like their soul onto a new body and then over time that body regains like all their memories and abilities and stuff wait so is this is this immortality (laughs) Uh, they are i mean there is immortality involved (laughs) Um, no, but they're all Greek gods, so it's not... Well, anyways. Um, Immortality is the best game ever. You should play that one. It really is. Can we talk about <laughs> Immortality for a second? Okay, we can. We've said it too many times. Um, anyways, Stray Gods. Yeah, and so the, the premise of the game is is Grace is the main character. She gets the Eidolon of Calliope, who's one of the muses. Um, and so then yeah, she gets Kratos the power. Kratos' daughter as well. 
Is that actually her name? In the God of War series, yeah, his daughter's That's really name great. is Calliope. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Athena's here. Like, there's lots of God of War characters if you've never read Greek mythology. Yeah, it's wild. Um, <laughs> uh, but she has the ability basically to make people uh, express their feelings in the form of song. And so as the game goes along, you're trying to figure out the circumstances behind Calliope's death and who possibly killed her. And then along the way, there's like romance options and um, just lots lots of different paths you can take. Um, I did. I, I played it through once and then I went back for a second playthrough and went back for the second playthrough because I was mainly interested in like, how is the story going to change if I make this specific thing different? And I knew that the, oh, I didn't even say the main mechanic. (laughs) Um, There's musical numbers. And during the musical numbers, as if it was like dialogue options in a conversation, you can pick the next lyrics of the song. Basically say like, this is the direction we're going to. So if this person's being nice to me, I can empathize with them or give it can be more aggressive to get the formation or I can be clever. Um, There's green, red, and blue choices. So as you're doing the song, you can pick these different things and then you get different things out of it. I knew that the music would be different. And I also did like a series of interviews about the game. So I had like a pretty good idea of what it was. I didn't really process how different it was going to be. Like one of the earliest songs, I just started picking red every time because that was something I never did. And it was like the chorus was different. The verses were different. Like it was really if this was on like an album, like you couldn't even call this the same song. Like the thing I would have thought was the title of the song didn't even make sense anymore because it was so different. Um and there was one later in the game where I was like looking forward to go back to it. And it's like a very like s- slow, like lyrical song. But I remember just really enjoying it. And this time I was clicking red every time. And it completely changes course into this like like rock song of. I don't know. It, it was it was it was so it much was, different it, than what I was thinking of. Is it changing mid song where it's just like it could be like, oh. And you hit something and then it goes dur, 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 like it just seamlessly <laughs> transitions like, oh, now this is like heavy, you know, metal or something like that. So it like does it, it does flow well enough. So it doesn't it doesn't feel abrupt. Um, and also when you're selecting the choices, there's like a little timer that's ticking down. So you'll click it. And then when like that measure ends, it'll transition to the next part of the music. Okay. Um, this specific one, though, was particularly jarring because it did like cut i think there was like maybe like a few beats of silence and then like the whole instrumentation changed and then it was like if you're taking this alternate approach it makes sense in the story of like you are basically changing the direction of what decision this person's going to make and so then the whole circumstances of everything changed um and the first time i was like i don't know i'm just a nice guy i'll let them do whatever um but yeah uh uh the music is good uh, the voice cast is like <laughs> all of The Last of Us. It's like Troy Baker, Laura Bailey, Ashley Johnson. Um, it's got basically every mainstream voice act you can think of is in this game somewhere. Yeah, there's only six voice actors, according to most video games. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. So you wrote that feature for us, which was a great feature. I don't know if that's online, but it's in our most recent issue. Yeah, with uh, the awesome lottery. I, yeah, I yeah. posted it literally uh, like 10 minutes before this podcast. Oh, there so we go. Like Read right it now, online. So One of the things you write about in that, which I assume is a developer claim, is that this game has millions of different endings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Expand. So I will expand and, yeah. and rank them, that. please. <laughs> rank all million endings. <laughs> 
I did actually get an email from Austin Wintery after posting that, like during the recording of this podcast, where he did clarify that a little bit. Um, and he meant to say, I was quoting him exactly because I was like, yeah. what, a, what a wild quote, what a crazy thing. Yeah. He meant to say, really, there's like millions of paths you can go down in sure. the game because that's how the choices work. But there's not millions of endings. There's, I don't know, maybe a few hundred versions of endings depending on what happened like during the game and, and what paths you go down so that was a little misleading i'm gonna go in and try to to make that more clear in the piece when uh, you're gonna have this. to put correction at the bottom update at the yeah. bottom of it nightmare Awkward. no i mean like okay but here's the thing i'm thinking like when i read that i didn't really think i had millions of endings but rather there were uh, choices in the game that led to in um, a, cum- a too cumbersome to count amount of permutations. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm curious, like, does it feel like that is true when you play? It's like, you know, th- this one song could have gone a hundred different ways, or does it feel like there are five different choices per any moment? It does. It does feel closer to the five, I would say. Having having now actually played the whole thing, especially because I, I think a thing that the concept of there being millions of different versions kind of misses is like, if you're going into an encounter with a person, you can switch, you can change your mind over and over again. But for the most part, you're like, I don't like this guy, or this is my approach I'm going to take. So not to say that you're going to select the same color option every single time, but I feel like you have, you'll have more of a tendency to that, but the game does react. So like if you choose red and then green and then red, then it's going to be different if you chose green, red, green. Um, so the lyrics do change and stuff, but I think the music is a little more like there's a few paths it can be. Um, but yeah, I I did. There, there were, and in my second playthrough, there were things that were different that I was surprised by the ways that they were different. Um, there was one part, my, my main issue with the game, um, I had two, two main complaints. One was that there was like a number of glitches um, some of the audio lines can be kind of weird. They'll like cut in really suddenly. Um, and then Freddie, one of the characters, her audio, it sounded like they just didn't go in and like clean it up because sometimes it'll sound like she's really close to the mic or really far away or like just the her volume in relation to our other characters in the scene is, is uh, changes a lot. Um, and there's one section where in my second playthrough, a third character was in a scene and I didn't know they would be there. I didn't know that was even an option. I guess he just didn't like me enough the first time. And that was cool. Like he was supposed to be there. And then it's like, but you always have to talk to him after that encounter. So afterwards, because he was there right in the alleyway, we had this like heated debate of what happened. But then for some reason, the game then immediately cut to as if I didn't have that conversation with him there. And I was back at his house and we had like the same conversation beat for beat. He's like, let's continue this back at my place. And by continue, I mean, do it again. Yeah. And literally the exact same voice lines. Like it it was, I was choosing the same three options. So that did happen. That only happened once. And there, there were glitches that I, I hope they will end up fixing. Um, That wasn't too disruptive, but that was noticeable. Um, The other thing I had, and this was a thing that is, is hard for me to put in a review because I don't know how to verbalize it without sounding like a jerk, is there are some of the songs that I don't think are great. You're a jerk. Because I don't think they are, the vocals are, I couldn't tell if it was, they weren't written well or they weren't performed well, but it it was in a position where I couldn't really tell. It's specifically when the they'll try to do this like faster 
almost rap like style. Mm. Um, and the Lynn Manuel Miranda special. Yeah, and and you and don't want thing. that is the thing. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda gets a lot of hate because he's very distinct style. He's very good at what he does. He, he's yeah, very yeah, good at sure. he's very good at making rhymes sound like they are that they have always been. Like the way people rhyme cat and hat, and it's like, yeah, those are rhymes. The cat and hat, everyone knows that. I feel like Lin Manuel Miranda rhymes very effortlessly, and that is like very important to the way that he writes things. There are definitely times where you can see people trying to like cram the syllables in to end on a certain word yeah. or the person performing it doesn't really have a sense of like the flow of the way it's written or or whatever. And that was definitely a thing on a few songs. There was one song where I clicked the red option and then it tried to it was like kind of Hamilton. And I was like, I'm clicking the blue option. This time. <laughs> it was too. It was even if I wanted the red option, like the, the song there was enough where I was like, you guys are really good at writing one type of song. This one, I yeah. I just think I don't know. I, I wish that was the official label for that button is kind of Hamilton. <laughs> That's the genre yeah. you're choosing. <laughs> Like you've listened to Hamilton and you enjoy it, but you don't really understand what makes it tick. I also, recurring Charles bit, I write these lunch songs every day when I go to lunch. And I care a lot about the number of syllables and which syllables are stressed. Because if it's if that's incorrect, the parody's not going to feel like a parody. But in general, in songwriting, you got to know when you're going to stress and when you're not going to stress. And I think there's a thing... It's like an innate sense that some people can tell and some people struggle with a little bit. And this was one where it felt like, um, I don't know, there's ways you could write a rap first. I think that anyone, if they're reading it, whether or not they are like good at rapping, they could pronounce it in the correct manner. And there are ways where it's just not going to sound right, whether or not you are good at performing it. Um, yeah. And some of these sounded like that, but maybe it was better when when uh, Tripod did it. I don't really know. Yeah, I have a. I, I'm curious if you know, I have a copy of the game that I just haven't dived into yet. I, I plan to just because the premise sounds fascinating, and I'm not even um, like I like musicals enough. I wouldn't say I'm like a musical enthusiast or anything like that. It, it depends on what it is. Like you know, I still haven't even seen Hamilton. I've just seen like clips and like some. Uh oh. So for the audio listeners, uh, Charles is holding up a was that a sealed package? It's a Sweeney Sweeney Todd poster. I, w- I went to New York a few weeks ago and we saw Sweeney Todd with Josh Groban as Sweeney. Why didn't you come see me? Where you were in New York? Were you in New York? No, but I'll live there in November. Yeah, I'll be back. I tried to see. <laughs> why Ken, didn't you but see him the in the future? <laughs> yeah, why didn't you hit me up? I'll, I'll be back. Huh? You, you guys can go see Sweeney Todd together. You want to move in? uh i'm good <laughs> well because we just we uh, you have a dog i have two cats it wouldn't really it would actually be two dogs because my roommate also has a oh my big gosh. dog yeah not a little no, dog like me yeah, yeah. sweeney todd good though sweeney todd rocks like and this this particular production was awesome i i hate to say it sweeney todd was better than stray gods the role-playing musical um here to hear first yeah so if that's if that's your bar it's gonna be a little bit below that but it's still, I mean, Trey got Is it better good. than Cats? I have not seen Cats on purpose. Uh, wow. We're talking about the Broadway musical, not the movie that nobody likes. Right. Uh, right. Both are weird from what I understand. <laughs> right. One, there, I it's like inherently weird. It's just that one is actively terrible too, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big musical person. Well, no. I, I, I mean, I'm not a big a person who's into musicals. Yes. Um, yeah. Except for the movie Once. You ever seen that one? 
dude. Was that was that a was that a play? Was that on stage? I don't know. I've only seen if it was, I've only seen the movie. But like its approach to musical is like through singer songwriter stuff rather than like show tunes or like dance productions. Mm-hmm. And dude, that movie rocks. I think there is there is a musical called Once. I wonder if I wonder if it's this. I went to a at my high school graduation uh like choir or whatever like the student choir or dance team mm-hmm. whatever they were uh they performed a song from rent yeah for some reason so that was kind of like a musical because they they did a cover of a musical or a song from a musical so yeah that was a uh, quite a quite a you know a moment for me i guess um, <laughs> i think that's technically the last musical i saw live was that i looked it up uh, and it the the movie was adapted for the stage and uh, oh, so it was a movie first. It was nominated for eleven Tony Awards. So I was gonna say I, I remember That's that I went back and yeah, yeah, more yeah. than three. I Dude. usually only know the three of them. Good movie, good movie. Check it out. Good movie and probably a good stage adaptation. Nominated for eleven Tonys, I assume it's. I think I think it won Best Musical that year. So it's the uh, yeah. the the Lord of Rings Return of the King of musicals. That's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alrighty, uh, yeah, that was a. I think that makes a show. Guys. I thought we don't have uh, questions. Uh no questions this week because we have an interview that we got to get to. So I, I have questions for the people I interviewed. Um, you guys cannot ask any because it already happened. Now hold on. You asked for questions, but Blake, I didn't get a ton to do left, so we'll save them. But Blake, if you want to interview, if you want to ask questions to Jeff Jarrett, I'll feel free to add, to add him on Twitter because that would be pretty funny, actually. Who's Jeff uh, Jarrett? Ah, uh, he's a wrestler. He's one of the guys I talk to. Still wrestles, uh, but he helped make WrestleQuest. He's in the game too. I'm not um, gonna tweet at this poor man. <laughs> Bother him. <laughs> want to tweet Double J? No. Okay. Alrighty, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back with some housekeeping, and then we will jump to uh, this WrestleQuest interview that we've been touting. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Game Informer Show. This is the part of the show where we take care of uh, some bills, uh, pick up around the house. And for the video watchers, we've got uh, a fourth guest, uh, Reagan the dog. She's here. Looking real, looking majestic in Blake's arms. Do you want to say anything? Can she bark on command? No, thank God, no. (laughs) She barks (laughs) too much. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, uh, Reagan, help us... uh, maybe get some magazines out the door because you can buy single issues of game informer magazine. Yes, it is true. All you got to do is go to gamestop.com slash game informer. And if you are not subscribed to the magazine, which, you know, you could do that too. We'd appreciate that. But if you just want to pick up uh, an issue that you're interested in individually, you could do that for five 99. Uh, I believe our latest cover story might be there for a uh, Sonic uh, front frontiers, a uh, Sonic superstars. Actually, checking right now because I was like, I think it's up there at this point. I know our Armored Core is up there, which uh, Blake you wrote. Uh, all of our past issues are like recent ones, like Resident Evil Four, Dead Island, Diablo. Uh, they're there now. Okay, I'm looking now. Doesn't look like Sonic Superstars is up there yet, but that should be changing within the next week or two. But yeah, pick them up. You know, great reads, and also they look cool. Cover art's great. I actually finally got around to framing the issues that I wrote the cover story for, which mm. I've been putting off for a while. 
uh, and they look darn good on a wall. Do they? Say. I've only how many is one that cover story? And I did not frame, frame it. it. Frame it. No. Buy another issue and frame it. I'm gonna make Matt give me a gold of it. Maybe I'll frame that. Yeah, I mean that's even better. You know, here's the problem though. It's like I did call armor core underwhelming so it's like not a cover story where i was like <laughs> super hyped on the game i feel like maybe i need to wait for one where i'm like this is the game y'all you know so i don't know if i can put yeah that up it's not all. just the game it's just like hey i wrote one of these and also everything the while that happened on that trip with you and alex between the weather and whatnot i co-wrote like it a- with alex so do you think i should only put half of it on the wall, like half the I think the you cover. guys have to have that discussion. Like, you guys yeah. have to have sort of like a, a come. It's kind of like you guys were the, Car- the McCartney and Lennon. Yeah. That converse. So you're like, whose name comes first yeah. on the credit? And then you got to gotta hash that out. Yeah. Uh, film all of it, please. Uh, so oh, for see sure. The, the complete for sure. breakdown there. Marcus, what is the best issue we've done during our tenure here? Because we've been here the same amount of time. What do you think is the best issue? Uh, like cover story or just as a whole? As a whole. Like a whole mag- Oh God! I don't. That would have to require me to remember everything. That's you know what issue. Trying. You know what issue was cool. What? I don't know if this is the best one, but it was cool. The Psychonauts two cover with the whole yes. big double fine, the double fine stuff, and the that Tim. You wrote. I wrote that Tim Schaefer profile by Ben Reeves. Um, that was a yeah. good issue. It's cool looking art too on that yeah. one. Yeah, that was that was a cool one just because I'm also like a big fan of double fine. So yeah. that was a that was a fun one to put together. I think our. Um, I think the indie issue of school just because, like, oh, yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. in addition to highlighting Sea of Stars, uh, you know, just looking at indie games, which is also one of the issues that you can buy individually. And I think that the art, I think, is some of the best we've done recently. Like, I, I, I love the the art on that one. Uh, so yeah, it's like I said, single issues game, uh, GameStop. Hold slash. on, what Charles, what was the best <laughs> issue during your tenure? I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say the Sea of Stars one, I do have them pulled. I mean, I guess I've got all of them. Yeah, I wasn't really in the Street Fighter Six one, so Sea of Stars one was good. I got to talk to the Dead Cells people, and I do yeah, really yeah. like that art a lot. So yeah, yeah. Okay, no yeah, further yeah. questions. Alrighty, you can also uh, check us out on Twitch, Twitch.tv/GameInformers. Doing uh, streams, I'm ramping up more live streams now. I actually have some uh, some plans to expand our, our streaming schedule that I am currently sort of like nailing down, but I've actually in addition to our, like, our weekly replays on Friday, which uh, our final episode, I'm going to call it now, our final episode of the Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts replay should be this Friday because we are literally at the end. Like we got to the final boss, we'll say. Uh, and yeah, so that should be coming to an end. And then so this Friday, we'll be announcing our next super replay, which I'm excited about. You got to tune in Friday, Blake. But it's something we've never done before, both like as a game, obviously, but as a genre. Uh, in the in the history of super replays, text so, adventure, and also very uh, timely too. Might be tied to an upcoming release this fall. Who can say? Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the I Lounge hope, Lizards. I hope it's Sonic and the Black Knight. <laughs> Charles, you nailed it. Um, <laughs> Have we done that one? But no, uh, no. Well, we no, we, we talked about it before, and I I said it was one of my favorite games that everyone says is their least favorite in this series. <laughs> no one says it's their least favorite when Sonic 06 is right there. Right, um, no. But, but so has, Charles, have you ever played Sonic games. Adventure? I bought Sonic Adventure 2 on this podcast Sonic Adventure. Ago. Oh, yeah, I remember the that. first yeah, yeah. one? 
Yeah. Well, but then I tried to boot it up and it didn't work. But I don't I don't think Sonic and the Black Knight is the best Sonic game. I just played it as an eight year old. Oh, as a nine year old. And I just remember loving it so much that it's like in my head. It's like that's that's what Sonic Sonic's wrong if he doesn't have a sword. So you played it a year ago? <laughs> uh, four years ago by your math. What a time to be alive. So, yeah, uh, Twitch.tv slash Game Informer. Keep an eye out for uh, some upcoming uh, stream announcements there. Should be exciting. And also follow us on social media. We're on everything. We're on uh, the the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. Now, I guess X. We're there. Uh, we're on uh, Game Informer as an entity. We're on Blue Sky now. We are also on Threads as well as Instagram and TikTok. And if you want to follow us individually, I'm on uh, Twitter and Threads, or, or not Threads, uh, Blue Sky at Marcus Stewart Seven. Uh, Charles, where can people find you? You can find me wherever. Pro- I'm I'm on X, but I don't post that much except for my articles, which you should read. Uh, I'm Chuck Duck Three Six Five, just everywhere basically. Okay, and Blake, where are you at on the internet? Don't follow me. I got enough followers. Okay, uh, Blake's <laughs> capped out, guys. The uh, his quota has been met. He's he's closed the doors uh so there we go uh also check out our other podcast all things nintendo starring brian shea every friday for the latest and greatest in nintendo news and of course as always a super special shout out to the editor of this podcast matt storm aka dj storm again always doing great jobs making us all sound smarter than we really are uh and a lot better speakers be sure to Check out their podcast, Fun and Games, as well as their Bioware podcast, Reignite. Uh, No questions this week since we're going to jump straight to our uh, big interview uh, for WrestleQuest. But if you want to send us questions to answer on this podcast, be sure to do it at podcast at GameInformer.com is where you can email us. Or if you're in a Game Informer Discord, uh, you can drop questions in the Game Informer Shows channel. And yeah, that makes a show. Thanks for joining me, guys. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday and stay tuned for my WrestleQuest interview with Jeff Jarrett and the team at Mad Cat Studios. See you guys. Hey, everybody. Marcus Stewart here. Uh, real quick before we jump into the interview, uh, just a reminder that this was recorded before WrestleQuest was uh, delayed. So. In case there's uh, some references to the game coming out on Tuesday, quote unquote. Uh, yeah, those no longer stand, obviously. Uh, yes, just wanted to point that out real quick. So without ado, here is my chat with uh, James Dagan and Zach Menko and Jeff Jarrett. Alrighty. Uh, first and foremost, uh, thanks for uh, meeting for me and great to meet all of you guys. Uh, may I ask, uh, I want to start with you, Jeff. Uh What's your general history with video games? Did you play any growing up back in the day? And if so, do you have any personal favorites? You know, uh, I'm a Mario man from way back. But if you, I was asked this earlier, like, what's the very first video game that's kind of aging me, dating me? Coleco handheld little uh, football. Oh, yeah. video. I was a, I was consumed with that uh, for for many months. But uh, no, so that. But you know. The, the history of my professional wrestling career, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, when I broke in in 86, you didn't really think, oh, I'm going to be in a video game. I'm not going to have an action figure. But as things go along, 
get to get in your first game and, you know, get to get in your, have your first action figure and then rolling along, you know, I've got to, you know, the mocap part of it. And, and then at TNA with the midway game uh, that we had, and then, you know, fast forward all the way up to the last couple of years, um, I guess in a lot of ways, save the best for last because getting to be a part of WrestleQuest, not just from being in the game, but being part of the mega cat team, that is something that, um, Certainly went on my bucket list, but it is an incredible highlight, and we're just getting started uh, come Tuesday. Awesome. And James, yeah, can you talk to me about the origins of WrestleQuest? Like, how did the initial idea uh, come to be? I just want to jump in before Zach takes over and starts talking about how much he loves Jeff Jarrett. So Jeff, <laughs> Zach, Zach, I think you're the best man for that answer. <laughs> yeah, so um, we are longtime RPG and wrestling fans, and we, we always wanted to do an RPG. And it, it came about thinking about, you know, what can we do different and unique? And as we started to really think about both RPGs and pro wrestling, we realized how much of a, a shared foundation they have. You know, both are really about story and narrative and this, this spectacle of combat. Um, and it, it was kind of a shock to us that it hadn't really been done before, a pro wrestling RPG. So as we got into it and thinking about, you know, updating JRPG mechanics to make them more accessible for a modern audience, um, we realized that time and again, wrestlefying them was the way to do that. You know, taking that turn-based system, uh, which we grew up with and love, but can be kind of tedious by modern standards. Wrestlefying it makes it more exciting, more engaging, snappier. And we just ran that, you know, full tilt across uh, JRPG tropes, characters, stories, everything. Yeah, I mean, playing the game myself, uh... It's funny you mentioned like how long it took for this idea to come to be. Um, the combat system, especially the tag team stuff, reminds me a lot of Chrono Trigger. And and that system is one that I've had the same thought of like, how come more RPGs haven't used this since then? Especially for right. how legendary game is. Uh, was that, I assume that was a primary inspiration, but were there any other sort of like dormant ideas that you saw from other games that were like, hey, maybe we should bring this back? Yeah, so definitely Chrono Trigger hit the nail on the head. Um, I think Super Mario RPG was a um, a big one for a lot of us. Um, outside of combat, I, I was always intrigued by the size of the cast in Final Fantasy VI. It's just a ton of playable characters, a ton of party combinations. So that's something we wanted to explore as well. Um, so there's a lot of those, you know, classic JRPG roots in the DNA of WrestleQuest. But then again, um, uh, it's about wrestlefying most of it and bringing pro wrestling in to amp it up even further. Absolutely. And how, at what point did um, you guys reach out to Jeff or Jeff, did you reach out first? Like how did this partnership happen? I'm curious. Uh, divine intervention. And I'm really not kidding, but no, uh, <laughs> if Jane wants to take this or I, I'll, I'll take this, we originally connected on, you just, Zach just used the word wrestlefy a game. Well, uh, James brought me a concept to kind of gamify a live event. And so we had started collaborating on, on that. And then it kind of dovetailed into, Hey, Russell quest. And, you know, he floated by and, and, you know, Andre, the giant macho man, Randy Savage, you might've heard of them, you know, tongue in cheek, but we just kind of, uh, you know, teed things up. And then we started collaborating on that. I was like an incredible honor to be brought on board, to be, you know, the executive wrestler, uh, executive producer of the wrestling content. So we just, and I, when I tell you things just kind of fell into place, that's the absolute truth. And, and I could, I can tell you this, you know, I've done a lot of things in my career, 12 time 
world champion, Hall of Famer, and all that kind of stuff. Being a part of this team, I'm as excited about this as about anything I've ever been in my career. That takes in a lot of ground, and and it's 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 just something that, again, the authenticity of the game is what draws me to, uh, to get to to this game. But the authenticity of a storyline of professional wrestling—that's where the magic happens, and, mm-hmm. and there's definitely magic in the game. You mentioned that authenticity. Is that um? Can you describe your exact role, like on the team? Is it sort of the wrestling authority that's like, hey, this is this is what's right, this is what's wrong, or is it a little bit more uh, like more hats than that that you're wearing? Marcus, you had no idea when you took this interview that you were going to kind of be getting three three words. There's you know we're going to gamify something. We're going to mm-hmm. wrestleify something. Well, that that was me. I, I, I I'm wrestlefying no the game. But, you know, does it make wrestling sense? Uh, there's an old kind of adage in, in, in when you're storytelling that, you know, is there such thing as wrestling logic? There is. Uh, but look, not much was needed. I defer to, 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 to James and, and Zach, the creative driving force behind it. But I was kind of the guidepost on, you know, I've written a lot of stories in my uh, wrestling career, some good, some bad, some real bad, but no, having just kind of that wrestling uh, logic sense was, 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 you know, I guess you could say my greatest contribution. Okay. And for, um, you know, like as a wrestling fan myself, like, you know, this idea uh caught my attention immediately i just thought it was a cool idea especially as someone that's always thought that wrestling could be represented in other ways in games besides just you know the traditional like fighting or simulation um was there any effort because like playing the game there's so many fun like just deep cuts and references to just the wrestling industry and i even have co-workers and friends that love rpgs that are maybe either laps fans or don't know anything about wrestling, but are just fascinated just to see something different in the RPG genre. Was there, was there any sort of like effort or, or balancing act of trying to not make it too inside baseball for maybe people that are like purely RPG fans that just see it and go like, that looks cool. Even if I don't know much about wrestling. You know, I think that the, the way we approached it was you don't actually need to know any of the deep cuts to enjoy WrestleQuest, but when you discover mm-hmm. them and see them, uh, it like amplifies like that feeling of being immersed in a wrestling universe. So it's mm-hmm. all those Easter eggs are deliberately done in like a, a for fans discover them basis. But if you do get the jokes, um, it definitely you know hits a different spot. And I think in the world we live in, I'll just jump in. You know, a uh, 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 Conrad Thompson, obviously my podcast partner, or Dave Meltzer. If you have no idea. You know the, te- the 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 relationship that you have with the game. Our good friend, Mister Google. You could just pick up your phone and kind of. Oh, okay. I mean, there's a way that I believe um, JRPG fans are going to be introduced to professional wrestling and vice versa in a real cool way. Can you talk about uh, like the, the main character, Muchachu Man? It's obviously based on Randy Savage, one of the best ever. Uh, can you talk about some of the other maybe less obvious inspirations for maybe some of the other characters or just even situations in the game that maybe even like lap fans might not be too quick to pick up on? Well, Zach actually knows the Lochador. So Zach, please give him a, <laughs> please give him a moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Lochador is uh, a Loch-based Luchador, and he's this um, um, old school veteran who's on the uh, cusp of retirement. He's helped build this Lucha Libre promotion from the ground up and he's about to retire and kind of pass the torch to the, the new guy. My problem is the new guy is this 
like total villain off screen and he's worried Lochador's worried like what's going to happen can i can i really pass away my baby to you know to this man and uh you know his wife confronts him asking him uh what are you going to do are you going to actually retire or are you going to like you know retain the championship for another year and he's like well i don't know so his wife's like you know what you have a mistress and it's that ring you love her more than me and that's really a call out to the dedication and commitment it takes um to make it in in the wrestling world um these guys uh how often they're on the road away from their families and the the toll it really does take on not only their bodies but also the relationships and everything it's that sort of authentic uh, authentic you know, behind the scenes wrestling story that we wanted to tell and wanted to tell genuinely. Um, but uh, beyond that, there's a ton of more, you know, lighthearted tongue in cheek things. Like uh, I, w- I will say that all the villains, all the heels in the game have a little bit of Jeff in them for sure. Marcus, let me ask you, is there a character that you've seen that you want to dive more into or what, what is it about WrestleQuest? And we are covering a lot of ground, but is there a character? Is there another facet? What drew you to WrestleQuest? It was honestly just the, um, like I mentioned before, I, I love seeing re- wrestling represented in, in more creative ways besides, I guess, the obvious of, like, the in-ring stuff. Like, just taking, like, I love the idea of even taking the um, the idea of action figure leagues that so many of us grew up with and having that be sort of the canvas, the paint of, like, oh, it's not just these are real-life people. It's like, hey, remember when you were a kid, you played with your action figures and just, you know, your imagination sort of took over. And I love seeing that translated even in the side characters because it means since they're toys, they don't all have to be humans. It's like, oh, there's like a weird tree guy or like animals or like a dinosaur. It's like, yeah, because as a kid, you probably had other toys that you're just like, well, you're a wrestler too because that's all I have right now. So like, I love that sort of creativity and also just seeing like an entire world building built around wrestling like ultimate muscle is one of my favorite animes which is very much that as well and i get that same vibe of like what if the entire world revolved around this sport (laughs) and you saw it almost like bleed into other facets of life i I love that aspect of the game from what i've played so far love it love the answer absolutely love the answer and even just like on that note uh you know we've seen wrestling in tv and film like get a lot more representation and you know stories told beyond just what happens bell to bell you know whether it's like you know the wrestler years ago or even like shows like glow or heels and i think that's great again for the same reason of expanding it do you what do you guys think of the potential to for or at least for the genre to do the same in video games like i think this is a great start do you guys see this as sort of like a starting point but like hey we can do wrestling games that aren't just you know wb2k or stuff like that you know do you think it has the same potential this yeah is- oh my god jeff please here we go <laughs> yeah you know, jeff and i have a like a, a whitelist book of how we're going to wrestle by different genres and zach's been really there's just like uh, millions of lines of red string and notes. And I just think it's <laughs> I, being completely serious. I, I think that it's a uh, wrestling has got to be like the, the most like uh, easily accessible wildest piece of pop culture. Like it's people who are fans of anime that have discovered wrestling, like immediately see parallels people that have a love for RPGs and deep storytelling uh, that don't have a lot of wrestling background I started to really enjoy WrestleQuest. I feel I feel like wrestling just has this um, really broad appeal that might not be appreciated uh, as much as it as it could be, despite having a massive renaissance right now too. And um, 
man, man, there's so many genres that can be wrestlified. So uh, I'm glad you asked Marcus because we have a we have a stack at Moon Salt we want to touch on too. Okay. Does that mean that um you know I don't know if you guys want to show your hand too much, but like I guess Jeff, is this like a longer term partnership beyond this game? Because in my mind, I thought this was sort of like a a one and done more or less with you, but it sounds like oh no no when I when I tell you we're just getting started. <laughs> literally are just getting started uh moonsault digital uh you, you'll be hearing a lot but no um on do you i mean to to drill real drill down in your answer my grandmother had a saying that the only people who watch professional wrestling are the masses but what she was trying to basically say is football or basketball or baseball sometimes that 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 is not relatable to real life in, in so many ways um and then, you know, on the, and that's on the sporting side, on the entertainment side, you know, there's sci-fi there's, you know, there's Hollywood and everything. Professional wrestling's always been that hybrid. That's not true sport uh, or not hundred percent sport, not hundred percent entertainment. It's kind of a hybrid, but what we really are is good versus evil. That's the world we live in every day. You can turn on any news station you want, and you're going to see good versus evil. You're going to see villains. You're going to see uh some smack talking you're gonna see the backstory of how this guy did this to that and you're gonna have to kind of follow it along you know the the real world of it not, you know reality tv was 20 years ago but just how we how society happens today that 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 is you, you know you can you can professional wrestling up a football game uh, a sitcom day-to-day -day life uh, a relationship uh, just i mean everything professional wrestling used to think, oh, it's not really pop culture. No, Wembley Stadium, we're going to have 85,000 people in London. That's pop culture. Wrestling is truly pop culture, and WrestleQuest it just dives right into that. Yeah, I agree. As a, you know, Jeff, like, you, you're an entrepreneur. You've had your hands in so many different businesses, like TV, wrestling. Uh, how does working in video games compare to the other ventures that you've uh, delved into before? Uh, I love it for, for a lot of reasons, but it's the, the basics of it are all emotional engagement. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's simple. If you're not emotionally engaged uh, in a project, in a business, in a television show, in a football team, a basketball team and a TV, you know, whatever it is, it's all about, you know, you either love or hate. If you don't have any, there, there's, there's, there's not, there's truly no ROI and that's what business is about. But this game, there is such an emotional connection to it. Uh, and you, again, you don't have to be a wrestling fan to get emotionally attached because the characters that are developed, um, the iconic characters, you know, macho man, Andre and all that, but you know, the, the playable characters, muchacho man, everybody can relate to starting at the bottom, you know, starting in the clerk room and working your way up to be the lead agent or whatever it is, starting out as, you know, cleaning the bathroom. And now he's the CEO of a company rags to riches stories that creates emotional engagement so in any business that i've put my uh, you know mind into it all kind of drills down into that can i be passionately engaged in the project i am more than passionately engaged uh i'm consumed and, and have been really since me and jane uh started dating each other we're gonna be no but but i mean tr the wrestle quest project i'm emotionally attached to it and i think everyone who actually dives off into the wrestle quest world will be as well yeah. And one cool thing about the WrestleQuest world is that almost like maybe not entirely revolves around, but like Randy Savage is kind of at the center of it. Like, you know, the main character is very inspired by him. Uh, why Savage? Uh, he's one of my personal favorites. So I'm 
thumbs up and he's one of the best ever but compared to like you know anyone else you could have chosen why did you guys settle on savage as like that's the guy we're going to model our protagonist after well he has so many layers <clears throat> of easily memorable uh lines movements characteristics he's, he's larger than life like people that don't know wrestling know uh macho right and it's um i will add to that we can't go 30 minutes without somebody doing a macho made impression anywhere at the office at trade shows it's just like uh it it's it forces people to jump into it it's just uh his character is so strong it, it just makes sense for something set in the golden era for our core protagonist to be inspired by one iconic larger than life and I, you know i genuinely believe he's one of the greatest of all time like without question uh now that you've kind of let me in on that i'm, I'm gonna have to ask you guys to do a macho impression <laughs> you know it's funny these are prescription glasses because all the guitar shots uh every time <laughs> i do it jeff gets upset and i, I can't do that today it's <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I, okay. I'll, I'll take that answer. <laughs> uh, Jeff, First, as you, oh, no, no. I'm sorry. Do your best macho man. You want me to do my best macho man? Yes. Oh boy. All right. Let me see. <clears throat> I have to like, think of a line to like trigger it. Um, let me see. <clears throat> oh yeah. <laughs> Cream of the crop. Macho man, Randy Savage. <laughs> Go. <laughs> it's, my throat's it. a little scratchy today but i was like oh boy I have to do it in front of jeff jared all right i wasn't prepared <laughs> for this <laughs> but i appreciate the the, the polite applause <laughs> good man uh jeff has your uh, involvement again has it sparked any interest in sort of like modern gaming as a whole did you have to um or were you interested in picking up anything or playing any or even old games that the game is uh, inspired by like a chrono trigger did you dive into uh, anything at all I'm, I'm a pretty busy man these days uh i've right. got kids though and my son 16 he literally has asked about wrestle quest every day for two years <laughs> <laughs> you know he's excited about it. just and i'm not saying he's asking when it's going to come out just to develop but but no um I, I don't know if i'm exactly answering your question but um, I'm, I'm a businessman at this stage of my career, just kind of, uh, being a part of all facets or as much as they'll allow me to be a part of, uh, that's really what drives me, uh, whether it's the marketing, the promotion, uh, the data that comes in, James can tell you, I, I bug him. Hey man, any new data, any new data, any new data, but, uh, we're excited. Obviously we're very excited about Tuesday, August 8th. Yeah. So we're not going to see you follow in the footsteps of sort of today's wrestlers and start a Twitch channel and play a bunch of classic RPGs on stream. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, you never know. All right, there you go. Uh, I guess my last question is, um, what is your, I would say for, I think people like me, I'm, I'm in that perfect overlap of being an RPG fan and a giant wrestling fan. So like, I'm like, yes, this is, yes, give me this. <laughs> um, I say you've touched on it before, but what would you say is your final pitch for uh, the RPG diehards that don't know a bunch about wrestling that might be curious about WrestleQuest? Zach, I know this is you, buddy. Yeah, I would say that um, if you have no knowledge of wrestling, WrestleQuest still has plenty to offer you. It still has that epic scale and scope of a story you would expect. It has 12 playable characters, 40 hours of story content alone, um, and then a bunch of side quests beyond that. And if that doesn't get you going, 
just the fact that it is something that's completely new and fresh. It's not another, you know, pseudo medieval fantasy world. It's something that's absolutely different um, and tons of fun. And, it, and we make it easier for you to get in on the hype. It's not like we keep you out in the cold. You know, we welcome you with open, sweaty arms into the wrestling world. Can I jump in on this answer? Please. Absolutely. Marcus, WrestleQuest has won over 20 awards coming out of the gate. So any, and I say that, I mean, there's kind of some proof in, hey, what do you need to get excited about when you pick it up on Tuesday? It's an award-winning game already. There we go. Can't argue with the facts. All right. Yep. Thank you guys so much for your time today. I, I very much appreciate it. And best of luck to you on Tuesday. Thank you, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you, Marcus.